Hey everybody, Brad here. Just wanted to let you know that this episode has been slightly edited since it originally aired. So just in case it sounds like something jumps ahead or cuts off, I just wanted to let you know ahead of time. I always take a lot of pride in editing and releasing these episodes, but every now and then something has to be edited out after the fact. Anyway, I think there is still a lot here to enjoy, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. Everyone... Remain calm. Back for more, huh? Yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and then screaming. Somebody talk to me, what is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. How long is it going to take for that to spread around the globe? This was all John Hammond's dream. <laughs> Hold on to your butt. <laughs> Seriously? Well, we're back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 200th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I am your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to talk all things Jurassic Park. And uh, I don't know if this sounds different for everybody out there listening, but uh, we're doing things a little bit differently today for the 200th episode. We're not streaming this live or anything, but it is being recorded fully live from start to finish with a lot of people here. This is, I don't know how this is going to work, so hopefully this is going right. I want to say um, 200 episodes has been incredible, and it's brought me to so many new places and introduced me to so many new people. Some of which you're going to hear here today. We got as many people as we possibly could from the Jurassic Park podcast to come on today and listen to some of your voicemails and answer some questions because this is the week of the Jurassic Mailbag. So let's go ahead and start introducing some people. As always, we have uh, our favorite mailbag correspondent, Jennifer Evans. Jennifer, what's going on? That's weird. I know, right? <laughs> I, I, I got to get used to saying that, too. I'm sure you do as well, but uh, that's... I wasn't ready. I was like, wait, <laughs> there's somebody else here? <laughs> so, yeah, I said we're doing things a lot differently. We're, we're bringing everybody into the intro. So let's bring in Aaron Beyer. How's it going, Aaron? Uh, I'm good. I'm a little nervous that this is actually, like, live, because then I can't say, hey, stop, and don't air that thing that I shouldn't have said. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, let's cut you off and before you say anything wrong and introduce Jay Jurassic. What's going on, dude? What's up, guys? A little tired, but ready to do this. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is in here? Let's see. Let's bring in um, Tom Fishenden. You there, Tom? I am. I had to unmute myself to avoid laughing, but I am definitely here. What's up? <laughs> uh, I think there's going to be a lot of laughing. I'm going to have to control all of you guys here today somehow. So <laughs> let's bring in my buddy Tal from Spain, I believe. You're in Spain today? If if you're there, I'm unmute. I'm live from Barcelona right now. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> you're Pretty traveling. To be here. He's traveling all around the world, and he's committed to the mailbag. That is awesome. So let's go ahead and welcome in... Steve, I think you're there, right, Steve? Yep, I'm here. Oh, man. There's, I'm, there's a lot of nerves here, hoping everybody answers the line. <laughs> awesome. And we have James Ronan. James, what's going on, dude? Yeah, things are really good. Just really great to be part of the mailbag. Really yes. 
This is this is incredible. All right, so far so good. Did I miss anybody? I don't think so. I think I got everybody there. This is crazy. This is hectic. I don't know what's happening, but we're doing the mailbag, so we're going to answer all of your your calls. I'm only doing calls today. We got a ton of calls over the past month and the past week. Um, uh, a bunch of them in celebration of episode 200. So uh, thank you very much, everybody, for reaching out. But just in case you want to be a part of the next mailbag, you can call our voicemail line at 732-825-7763. You can email us audio files or questions to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. Or you can head to our contact page at JurassicParkPodcast.com to fill out the contact form. Now, even though you haven't heard this month's episode just yet, we are already recording uh, questions for the next mailbag. So... I, I'm ready, guys. I'm going to skip over all the stuff like, hey, we got some business to take care of. Go to YouTube, do this thing, check out this thing, all that stuff. So why don't we go ahead and let me see if I can actually pull this off and jump in to the news segment. I'm going to fade out the music here, guys. Let's get into the news from around the world. Eighteen minutes and your company catches up on ten years of research. Access rate program. Access security. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, my head been right all the time. But today, I guarantee it. All right, so far so good. We're in the news segment, and we got some fun stuff to talk about. So recently, Universal Studios um, announced a whole bunch of stuff. Um, one of which was not announced, but they uh, trademarked something pretty interesting called the VelociCoaster. Now, we know that there's a, uh, a big, huge coaster coming to Universal Studios Islands of Adventure down in uh, Orlando. And uh, we know it's supposed to be rumored to be centered around uh, blue or velociraptors or something like that. So VelociCoaster fits perfectly into that uh, area there. So as far as excitement goes, VelociCoaster sounds like a fun, exciting ride. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it outside of the fact that they had to demolish a whole bunch of stuff to get there. Um, but uh, let's see. Um, who else is here? Jay, what do you think about VelociCoaster? I know you're, you're a Raptor fan, right? Yes, I am. Um, I, You know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a big coaster fan, so... Uh... Is the name itself? I, I like how they uh, put that together, but uh, I don't know what to really expect. <laughs> but then again, I haven't been to um, Universal Orlando like since like 2003. It's been a long, long time. Well, that's so anything- that's good. Would 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 this you know opening up a brand new coaster and entice you to actually head back down there? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I've been wanting to go down there, just the opportunity hasn't showed up yet. So uh, something new down there will probably, yeah, yeah, definitely get me back down there. So in in somewhat more your neck of the woods, Jen, um, they uh, out in Hershey Park. It's not very much near you, but it's out that direction. Uh, they introduced a new coaster that's coming up next year called Candemonium. So it seems like um, right now we're getting all these like weird like. I don't know, comical names like Velocicoaster, Candemonium, all this fun stuff. Are you excited? I know you're a huge theme park person. 
pandemonium. <laughs> I never even heard of that. Well, I'm only 20 minutes from Hershey now, and I have I oh, know nothing about Hershey. Man. So wow, you guys got to go all the time. That's that's going to be fun. That. Yeah, yeah. But, get, look it up. It looks like it's going to be like a full new section, um, a new entrance to the park, and a huge new ride. So that looks fun. But um, what do you um, think about Velocicoaster? As far as the theme parks go, I like theme parks more than I like thrill parks. So sure. coasters aren't a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what I dislike most about this new coaster is that it kills the lagoon view. I know we've talked about the lagoon view. So there's not much about this coaster that I could like. The name is just, it's the name. Sure, it sure. And it's just, it ruined <laughs> my lagoon. And I'm not big in the coasters <laughs> anyway. And I wish they would have just put the new land in the new park and put the coaster over there because yeah having a jurassic world coaster in jurassic park basically confirms we're never getting a jurassic world land yeah well it's interesting i i found it very interesting that they 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 trademarked velocicoaster and not jurassic world owen and blue's epic uh jungle adventure you know something like that so it seems to be velocicoaster which gives me hope i feel like for the future you know, they're not necessarily centering it on Jurassic World, but at the same time, they did just announce Epic Universe, um, which is their uh, third. Well, well, you know, we'll say third, even though it's t- they say it's their fourth counting Volcano Bay. But Epic Universe was just announced as another new theme park for Universal. Um, and it's going to have it should have four themed lands, highly themed lands. Jurassic was not included on that list. As far as we know, um, it looks like there's going to be Fantastic Beasts, How to Train Your Dragon, um, Mo- uh, Universal Monsters and Nintendo. Um, but uh, Tal, I know you recently went down to Orlando and documented everything down there. What do you think about Jurassic being left off the table here for Epic Universe? Well, I'm a big believer that the more Jurassic anything we get is a good thing, you know, as long as we're getting stuff. Um, but I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a huge, huge roller coaster guy, but I've been going there my whole life since I was a kid, like to Orlando, um, specifically to the Islands of Adventure part. And there, it's been a while since the, I think a coaster has come out that's really maybe even challenged the Hulk. So if it's mm-hmm. anything like that, it could be pretty cool to see if this could be like the new top contender for kids or even adults that are going to Universal to be like, oh, wow, this is like the top of the line roller coaster that we need to ride. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Aaron, I know we've talked a lot about um, this new potential theme park. Um, and we, we've kind of been letting everybody know that this is probably not happening for a while now. Are you surprised or w- did you expect it to not be there? Or were you hoping at the last minute that Jurassic would be thrown in there? What, that it's not at the new theme park? Yeah. No, I'm not surprised because Universal hates Jurassic Park. Like that's just <laughs> like, I don't really I don't get it. They don't they just they don't <laughs> they don't care for it. Um honestly, I'm almost wondering if someone with some pull was like, why are we gonna be building a new land when we barely utilize the one we have? Um because I think sure. aside from the lagoon view, which I agree, it stinks that, that has that's gonna kinda be destroyed. I don't think a view is a reason for like a theme park executive to because like that's basically like a photo op and like I don't even know if they even have like a photo. Does Universal do the the photo stops like Disney does? Yes, um, yeah, every okay. now and then. So <clears throat> every now and then, like I don't know if they utilize it. I don't know if like because when I live there, I didn't go through the front gate of of that park very often. Um, I usually had like backstage. Uh, entrances so like i was never coming into the park where like those people would grab you um and and take your photo 
Um, I I think it's weird that it's not at all part of the new land, especially when you consider like Universal Monsters feels like Universal Studios already has that, and it's not even that great. And then on top of that, the monster like the Dark Universe franchise for them completely tanked, and I don't see that. I don't I don't see the with the way the movie landscape is right now. I don't see that being popular. Um, so I think that's kind of their next dead land, unfortunately. I don't know. Uh, see, see, for me, I feel like How to Train Your Dragon is. Um, I, now, it, you know, putting yeah, this... But, uh, go ahead. Think about, think about like, Dr. Seuss. Like, I wouldn't... I don't think sure. Dr. Seuss is nearly as popular as How to Train Your Dragon with, with kids today. Very true, I yeah. Kids are going to love that. Um, I think that's a reason to take little kids to that because Universal Monsters isn't a reason to take little kids. No, but in 2023, 2024, this franchise is dead at this point. It's or it, it just aired its final film. So where does it go from there in another few years? Like How to Train Your Dragon. You're talking about Universal Monsters. At least if they frame it um, as like a classic series, that might have some staying power. Nintendo, of course, has staying power. Fantastic Beasts is the other question, um, I think, but... Harry Potter is pretty good as far as staying power, so you don't necessarily have to tie it. I don't get, I don't get Fantastic mm-hmm. Beasts. Like for me, I mean, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just jaded on that series. But like, I didn't think the first Fantastic Beast was good at all. I didn't even bother to go see the second one. And so, sure. So yeah. let, let's move over to um, our second piece of news here. I don't have the dinosaur audio thing. Whoops, I forgot that. Roar! There's the there's the transition. Wait, um, can I just interject <laughs> one thing about the coaster real quick? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. All right, so. There's a ride at uh, Cedar, Cedar Point or Canada Wonderland. I'm not sure, but there's actually like coasters now where you straddle things like like motorbikes. Oh well, there's so, actually it's there's one down in Orlando already. Oh, which is, is one in Orlando? well, then yeah. never mind. Which is which is weird because you know they just opened Hagrid's where you know there's a sidecar and a motorcycle, and they that coaster would literally be right next to this new coaster. So oh, will they have two motorcycles? I don't know. That just no, seems no, a little no. weird to me, but That'd it's possible. Crazy. It's possible. But, um, you know, we're talking about new uh, things that are coming out in theaters. Hobbs and Shaw did come out. All right. And as we were kind of led to believe for a very long time now, Battle at Big Rock, this new short that we got word about back at Toy Fair, was supposed to be before this movie. But I went to go see the movie, and there was no short. There was no Jurassic short. There was a bunch of trailers for other things, and then the movie itself. I had fun with the movie, but there was something missing, something called Battle at Big Rock. So, Steve, um, I don't know if you're you're a Fast and Furious fan or not, but um, knowing that Battle at Big Rock is not there, are you less inclined to go see this movie? Um, well, I haven't seen the last couple of films that have come <laughs> out. Um, yeah. I actually stopped watching after... Oh, God. I think Tokyo Drift was the last one I saw. Oh man, you got to so, catch up, man. There's some good stuff in there. There's some fun stuff, dude. Yeah, but, but um, I mean, if they had promised and aired the uh, Big Rock short, then I definitely would be booking a ticket to go see this film. But sure, now sure. You said that, yeah. I don't, I don't think I'll be going to see the film. So, James, I, I got a question. James, I got a question for you. Um, do you think it would be more? Uh, imperative for Universal to air something like Battle at Big Rock before maybe a lesser known franchise other than Hobbs and Shaw which is probably bound to make nearly a billion dollars if not well over um, do you think it would have been more beneficial to air it um, you know on something like 
I think I think uh, Jen, I think uh, Josh joked about cats. I don't know. Is that a universal sh- movie? I guess, but something that might not bring people to the theaters. What do you think, James? Uh, I don't know really. Like I was sort of thinking, sort of obviously with Hobbs and Shaw, obviously it's quite a big sort of franchise. I was f- sort of thinking, sort of for the next, I suppose, big film, you're thinking sort of Star Wars, and I'm sort of thinking, well, maybe they might do a deal with, I don't know, with Lucasfilm to sort of maybe attach it for then. But yeah, I don't know. I I feel like. As far as um, bringing out new people, like Hobbs and Shaw and Jurassic kind of share some overlap there. Not 100%, but there's a, a decent overlap of fans. I don't know. I would feel like you might want to bring it out to a movie that might not make as much money. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe bringing it out for Hobbs and Shaw would have, you know, propelled more people to see Jurassic. I have no idea what's going on. Uh, Tom, what do you think about all this? I know you're out there in the UK loving Hobbs and Shaw, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> Look, there's a I, lot of you, the British characters in there. You never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. You know, we're all just bald people who run around doing super spy stuff. That's, <laughs> That's exactly cool. what I imagined from you, Tom. Um, I, I don't know I'm much about you. The yeah, computer chair guy. You know. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I kind of I feel like it's really really weird in terms of the way it's being handled. Um, I think the most important thing to really say about it is at the moment we have absolutely no idea what's going to happen with it you know i know there's been a little bit of speculation about maybe it being um a pilot for tv series or things like that but Mm -hmm. i don't think that this was ever intended to be that from everything we kind of know about it and we've been able to garner about it which is very very little to be fair it was always intended to just be kind of a short in-universe thing that is set after Fallen Kingdom but explores some stuff to keep people invested in the franchise between the films. Um, And to to be honest with you, I feel like they've kind of really missed the best creative window to release that now because obviously you've got Camp Cretaceous coming out next year which is going to be an animated show on Netflix and is going to keep people invested in the franchise through that. So really this should have kind of been that um flagship piece of content to engage people throughout 2019 and i think that while you know perhaps releasing it in front of hobbs and shaw may not have been the best bet because it's a different audience in some regards i think that being able to put that content in front of so many people would have been really beneficial for continuing jurassic's brand identity um i mean you know you could have even done a thing where you drop it in front of the film and then a couple of months later, you um, release it on the YouTube channel because they've got the YouTube channel, which they did quite a bit of content for for quite a while. Or um, you do a limited edition box set, which includes it. There were like lots of avenues to do it, but I just feel like not having it now is very weird when we literally have the toys from the shore. Yeah, that is a weird thing. Yeah, I'm looking at the the slate. Can I of- ask a question on that really quick? Sure, go ahead. Um. I know Pixar does shorts, but is shorts a thing you do in front of live action movies? Because I wonder if um, they kind of had that idea, they were going to do it, and then they just got cold feet on it because it's not a normal mm-hmm. thing that you do. And I, maybe mm-hmm. they watched it all together and they thought, okay, this sounded like a good idea in theory. And then when we watched it together, it really was weird and it's not normally what you do. So is there normally shorts in front of live action ever? Well, I've I- never seen it. I, yeah. I I have seen um, ex- actually extended shorts in front of live action when it comes to like um, Christopher Nolan used to do it back with like the Dark Knight stuff. 
Um, he would release like maybe 15 minutes of the next movie that he's making um, in IMAX only. So it was very specific as to where it would would show up. I personally don't think I've seen anything like you're talking about, Jen, where it's like a, a, a live action short in front of a, a like a live action movie or whatever. Um, you're right, though. It, it, it does seem to be Pixar, Disney movies. Um, so looking at the Universal Slate, we have something called Good Boys, The Hunt, Abominable, Last Christmas, Queen and Slim. Black Christmas, Cats, and 1917 as far as this year is concerned. Um, so maybe Abominable, but like I feel like if you're going to air it in front of like a kid's cartoon animated thing, I, I don't think Jurassic is the right fit for that. Um, what do you think, Jen? Do you think they should air it in front of a, an animated feature or no? I think they missed the boat on this Hobbs and Shaw movie because sure. um, it's not... I think it's very much what Jurassic is. It's an action movie. It's fun. It's kind of campy. And that's kind of where Jurassic is at the point. That's what people see it as anyway, like the general audience. It's it's in their theme park IPs. It's, it's up there with money making with Jurassic. It's their second, I say second, gro- um, highest grossing franchise. It, it makes sense to put it with something like Jurassic. So I feel like the same sure. audience was going because you said you went and I saw a lot of other people in the fandom go. So it seems the right lane for them. So that was a missed opportunity. And I do think they might have got cold feet on it because it's not something that's done normally. Sure. And they pulled it last minute and now they're like, crap we don't know what to do with it and i don't agree with josh cats is a very strange (laughs) audience doesn't even no yeah i feel i feel like he was probably mostly joking about like them because of the backlash that that movie received when it released a trailer that they're like well we need to pull them into the theater somehow because otherwise it's going to be a flop so maybe we get all these jurassic fans out there to watch cats it might i don't think that would do it (laughs) i don't know tall what do you think um where did this go? What happened here? Um, will we see this ever again? I don't think I so. I really have no idea. I was I was listening to the wire on the uh, on my flight on the way to Europe. What you guys, you and Aaron, were throwing around ideas, and I'm so confused. I, I, I figured that they would uh, surprise us and end up putting it in front of Hobbs and Shaw. Like I'm not a Fast and Furious fan at all. I've yeah. only seen Tokyo Drift, and I totally would have gone to see it if I knew that the. Um, that the, the short would be in front of it. So I really don't know. I have no idea. I know that adding that in a pseudoceratops is going to be like a big key to the to the franchise, I think. Um, I think having that extra dinosaur might be really interesting for certain things like the, um, the stegoceratops that we know of, the, the hybrid that we have in the film, because we know that that's part of it. And so I think it's crucial that they add it in before the next movie. I just have no idea when. I don't know sure. what they're going to do with it. Yeah, it is really interesting. I, I don't understand what happened there, but who knows? You know, maybe there's going to be some more questions about uh, Universal theme parks and Battle at Big Rock. So before we get too, too deep, obviously we've gotten pretty deep already, but let's go ahead and get into our next segment here with the mailbag. I'm going to go ahead and fade this out and we'll jump into the mailbag. Eighteen minutes. Jurassic. Whoop! Up oh, there. There's my first mess up. Hey, going back. <laughs> Jurassic mailbag. 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 Jurassic mailbag never fails. It makes me wet. My dino tails and bread and your Jurassic mail. 
It's Jurassic Mailbag with Brad Jost and Jennifer Tarek. So this feels funny to do like an intro right here in the in in like this wide assortment of intros that I've already done so far. But guys, the Jurassic Mailbag is back again for the month of August in 2019. And Jen, I know I say this each and every time, but like it's it's August. Like what happened here? How did we get to August already? You're already married. What's going on? There's so much happening. I was excited to hear the theme because I don't really, we don't get to hear it. It doesn't pump us up whenever we do it. And so to actually hear it, I'm ready. I feel like I'm really in the mailbag. I've climbed in it and it's August and it's almost fall. It's football season. Oh, Oh, no, it's yeah. August. I don't know, man. I don't know what's happening here, but we're going to do this. We have um, a lot of voicemails, so I don't know how long all of you can stick around for or how long this is going to go, but we got like 20, 20 uh, voicemails here. That's a lot. And now maybe, granted, maybe some of them are very short and just saying like, hey, congratulations or something like that. I skimmed a little bit here and there just to see. But um we got a lot to get through, and we have everybody else here. You guys already heard everybody. Um, so let's go ahead and dive into our first voicemail here. This is from um, somebody uh, that uh, is involved in the franchise themselves. So so let's go ahead and take a listen. Oh, hello. Oh, well, uh, I just want to say congratulations to Jennifer Evans for... Your wonderful wedding that I happened to miss last month. And I show you my deepest apologies. But um, I wish you all the best of luck in the world. And uh, the future looks bright for you. And there's only one thing left to say. Life will find a way. <laughs> oh, that's epic. That was pretty epic. How would you have felt if, like, just like James showed up dressed as John Hammond to your wedding and everybody else is in like suits and dresses. And James just walks in with like white, a full white outfit on with a cane and a hat and just like did that accent the entire wedding. Would you, would that that have been cool? I'm very disappointed. It didn't happen now. Very (laughs) disappointed. We got to redo the whole thing. Let's go back. Go back. Going back. We're going to do it all again. Take two. <laughs> James, thank you very much for that. Um, we we do have another one. James did want to follow up because he couldn't be here today. There are a few contributors who did not make it onto the show today, so James is one of them. So James wanted to follow up here with an actual message. So <laughs> let's take a listen. Hey guys, it's James Hawkins from Jurassic Unicast. How you doing? Uh, sorry, I couldn't make it onto the two hundredth episode. I managed to double book myself, and uh, something I couldn't really get out of. Um, Come on. But I just want to wish the episode and the podcast and everybody that's involved, especially Brad, obviously, the happy 200th episode. It's been a journey. It's been a pleasure. And uh, obviously, wish and hope for many, many more. And it just goes on and on and on until Brad gets sick of it and decides to retire <laughs> through like physical like exhaustion from having no time to do anything else. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, also, I'd like to... Uh, wish my congrats to Jen obviously because the last time we spoke um, was probably before she got married I think yeah we haven't actually spoke since so congratulations and uh, yeah hopefully Steve and I will manage to get some more uh, pop quizzes done hopefully for the channel 
Um, we've we have got some guests lined up that we're hoping to get hold of once uh, things get sorted. Once once we've stopped being so busy, our end and get back to it because we do miss doing our segments. And uh, yeah, only one thing left to say: life will find a way. <laughs> See you later. Oh, thank you. So uh, so so Tom. Um, when I when I get sick and tired and and overworked, uh, you're you're the youngest one here, I think, right? Are you gonna take everything over? Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's a no, I guess. <laughs> um, can I just run away at this point? Ah, oh, my chicken goujons are out the oven. Bye, guys. It's been fun. <laughs> You guys know what chicken goujons are, right? Hey, man, no. No, I have I have no idea what that means. No, the chickens are running away, or I don't know. Um, yeah, basically, yeah, sure. Just, sure, okay, yeah. Right. Here's the yeah, keys, man. Uh, Steve, Steve had to duck out for a second, I see, but um, I was gonna, I was going to ask him to, like, talk badly about James since they're like, you know, best friends basically. So I was going to be like, Hey, Hey Steve, say something negative about James and why he wasn't here. Come on, man. But James, you got off the hook there. Steve is not here at the moment. He, I think he's coming back, but we'll see. But, um, let's move on here to our next one. Uh, this comes from Victoria. Hey, Victoria, what's going on? Hi, Brad. This is Victoria. I wanted to congratulate the Jurassic Park podcast on 200 episodes. Wow. That is quite an accomplishment for what is still the finest Jurassic podcast on the interwebs. Thank you for the hard work and dedication you put into the show and for making it so accessible to its listeners. Here's to the next 200. Yeah. Oh, my God. Next 200? Get out of here, Victoria. What are you talking about? That's a lot. I can't, I don't know. That's a lot. Jen, are we going to go another 200 or like at least, um, you know, I don't know how many more mailbags that is, but that's quite a, a lot of mailbags. Brad, we're going to be in an old age home doing these. Mailbags. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's going to happen. You know, you're going to be doing this the rest of forever. <laughs> can't escape it now. <laughs> I just want to point out that's 50 more mailbags. Is it more 50 more? <laughs> it's 50 more. I was going to so, say 50, but I was like, oh, no, that's. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm no math expert, but I think it's 50 more. And, and you know what that means, Aaron? That's 50 more wires that we have to do. Bring to. it. I have so <laughs> many things to complain about. <laughs> I think 50 guys. mailbags is doable. It does. That sounds way more doable than 200 more episodes. <laughs> Yeah, two hundred more mailbags though. That's that's, that's another. That's that's another. out of control. I mean, I'm I'm sure people would listen, but maybe maybe they would get sick of it. Uh, you know, another two hour episode. Come on, like I don't know. We'll be in the five hour range by then. It just keeps growing. Yeah, but I mean, Victoria's got a, a great podcast as well uh, with with uh, Collect Jurassic World, talking all about uh, Jurassic stuff. So. Um, I, I love listening to their new shows. So I think the more Jurassic podcasts, the better. So it's been, it's been like a fun past four years now, like doing this podcast, seeing others come and go, um, mostly come because there's been so many more podcasts over the past few years. It's been awesome to see, like, it's still not hitting the levels of Star Wars or anything like that. We're not getting like, you know, hundreds of podcasts like Star Wars community has, but it still feel, feels pretty cool to see all these other shows popping up and and excelling and doing really well. So uh, that's awesome. So thank you, Victoria, for um, 
for calling in. And uh, let's go here to our next one. This one comes from Chris. Hello, my name is uh, Chris. Um, I've been a fan for like a month now. Um, I've been Ooh, watching yes. everything from the beginning as well as uh, Sorry. all your new stuff, too. Again, great stuff. I, I love it a lot. Um, anyway, I had a question. Uh, what is one thing you're looking forward to in Jurassic World 3 other than the iconic legendary characters um, returning, the OGs? Um, I'm pretty interested in that. Also, uh, congratulations on the 200th episode. That's literally way past cool. And, you know, um, I just want to have a shout-out to you, Brad, and uh, Jennifer, and Tom, and oh. everyone who's ever been involved with this podcast and everyone who ever will be. Just thank you so much for doing this. Like, it really means a lot to me because, you know, I just, I've been looking for something in the community that's, like, really interactive and involves us all. And this really just brings everything together, and you guys just do such a great job. Um, Thanks again, and uh, have a good day. Thanks, dude. Thank you, Chris. That's awesome to hear. I'm so glad that it like helps bring people together and just meet new people and do all that stuff, because that's what it's done for me. So I'm glad it's it's done the same for others. I kind of never would have imagined that you know, at all. That's awesome. Um, but Jen, uh, he did ask a question in, in there. Uh, as far as Jurassic World 3 is concerned, what are you looking forward to the most outside of maybe some characters getting together? Um, well, I got to say, that's such a sweet message. That was yeah. a very, very nice message. So I have to say that, too. But um, outside, okay, I'm not going to do a clear answer because I'm, I'm tired <laughs> of that. So let me just say, in general, I'm, I'm ex- very excited to see where we're going to end and where they're going to stop it. And actually, what's happened in the last three years? Because, you know, they, they time jump with us. And I'm really curious to see where we're going to pick up and um, where we're going to end, I think, because... I guess this will be the end of the trilogy. I know Colin recently said, well, I don't know, but we kind of know it's the end of the trilogy. So I wonder where it's going to end. And I know we've talked about a couple scenarios and all of that, but I'm really curious when I'll be sitting in that theater in the last act and thinking, did I expect this to go this way? Was I surprised? Uh, Am I not? Am I pleasantly surprised or am I disappointed? Like, I'm really curious to see where we're going to end. Yeah. Hey, Jay, um, I got a question for you. He he also mentioned the fact that, you know, he's a he's a new listener from like the past month, but he's going back and listening to all this old stuff. And I know you're you're a pretty um, you go like way back as far as uh, the podcast is concerned. So when you hear people say that, do you do you ever like kind of curl up and be like, oh, gosh, because I know I do when I when I think about people listening to like my old segments and old episodes. Do you do you ever have that feeling or are you like, whatever, man, it's all good. <laughs> No, because uh, I think back a while back, uh, I was like like throwing out Amber Fine episodes like here and there for all the time. So <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's good he's going back because then you get to hear those and then be like, whatever happened to those? Because I haven't done too many of them in like the last year or whatnot. But um, no, I'm, it's cool to hear those. Remember like I told you when I think it was like the segment that I was on the first time? Uh-huh. And then um, I was like, yeah, dude, I'm listening to all the, the past ones. And you did the same thing. You're like, oh, man, I'm sorry you're <laughs> listening to the first ones. Like, but it's cool to hear how it progresses and how what it is now. And like, it's cool to hear all those guests that you had back in the day and, and all the segments that started up and, and where what it's turned into at this point, you know? Sure, um, yeah. 
Yeah, so, I do. Th- I do think that's pretty cool, you know, because it has certainly changed a lot. It's 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 a lot different, and um, you know, hopefully we get some more amber amber finds uh, coming up here, man. That that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I got some uh, a couple of good ones backlog, and of course, uh, I'm I'm doing the collectors segment as well. Yeah, with yeah, the, with the hunters and gatherers. So yeah, that one is another one I want to keep pushing out too. But um, tall, I I uh, I know you're looking forward to this movie. So what do you think? Um. Is, is are are you most looking forward to here? I think after um, Colin's recent tweet that he said that it was going to be uh, what a celebration of uh, of everything in the franchise, um, <laughs> like it has made me extra super excited because I'm like, if they're going to give us this fan service the whole movie for the last movie for at least might be like the last Jurassic movie for a while, I'm totally okay with that. I'm excited to see if there's going to be any crossover between the old characters and the new characters, like. The crossover between Alan Grant and Owen Grady, I can't even imagine the craziness <laughs> that would ensue between the two characters. I think that would be hilarious. And especially if they give us this when it comes to the dinosaurs, just like, you know, collaborations between the old and the new would be really, really, really cool. So I'm, I'm just super excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I feel like that's like the number one concern is what happens here. Like, we have no idea. And I feel like we talk about this every week. So. Um, I guess uh, in, in the beginning of the year, sometime next year, we'll, we'll get some information as far as what's going on. But um, Steve, I just noticed you popped back into the chat here. Um, I was I, we, we played some clips, which you had just missed um, from your buddy, James Hawkins. And uh, I was going to say, like, where's James? What's going on here, Steve? That's the most pressing yeah. question. <laughs> yeah, I left that chat on purpose because I didn't want to even speak. <laughs> Um, no, he's uh, he's chosen his beloved football slash uh, soccer um, over this chat, and I think it's uh, quite wow. Rude. <laughs> That's very fair. It is it is quite rude. Come on, James. Ah, yeah. oh. <laughs> what are you what are you well, looking forward to? If it, if if he was on here, we wouldn't get a word in anyway. That that is very fair. That is very fair. Yeah, and he would be just like doing his impressions the entire time. He'd he'd go down the <laughs> list. You'd you'd get Hammond. You'd get Roland. You'd get Muldoon. You'd get Ray Arnold in there. So yeah, yeah. I suppose if you got it, you got a flaw now. <laughs> so yeah, what are you most looking forward to uh, in Jurassic World Three? Um, I would say more interaction with. Um, humans really like in the lost world the san diego scene which i know is quite unpopular with most people um it's probably one of my favorite scenes out of all of the films because you get to see like the scale of dinosaurs um in real life and it's something that not any other films really you can see so i'm hoping that there's going to be more interaction with you know towns cities villages or anything like that yeah, that would be awesome because everything is always so contained. And I do like that idea of things being out, you know, amongst other things like neighborhoods or cities or whatever it may be. Um, that'll be awesome. But let's go ahead and move on here to our next one. So so that came from Chris. Thank you so much, Chris. We really appreciate all the kind words. Let's move on here to another one from Clinton. Hey, my name is Clinton. Uh, this is a question for my theory about... Uh the new show camp cretaceous Ooh. and i'm a new fan of your podcast and I've, i was wondering if you would like to hear my theory and i think the theory is that the show uh it, it like the time is in the early stages of jurassic world where they have to capture all the dinosaurs and then build the park 
Uh, also, I would like to think what you guys think about the security, and that's it. Goodbye. Awesome. Yeah, Jen, what do you think uh, of Camp Cretaceous? I, I know we we have some information that it it probably won't go that direction of what uh, Clinton is saying there, but. Uh, you know, as far as the press release was concerned, it kind of felt like we were going to be tying this into the downfall of Jurassic World. Um, and we we might have talked about this at one point. But, Jen, do you think it would be more beneficial to have it back at the beginning, like he's saying there, like when they're starting up the park, capturing the dinosaurs, doing all that stuff? Um, at this point, I'll take anything, any in between I can get. So I was, I'm <laughs> excited. I would be excited about his theory being capturing the dinosaurs before Jurassic World, and I'm excited about possibly being in the aftermath of Jurassic World because anything we can get in those in between moments that they skipped, um, I will gladly take it. So I didn't, I wasn't, I missed the press release because the last time that we discussed this, I don't think it was out yet. We were just looking at the little cover art thing there and. Um, we were just speculating on that, so I didn't get to the press release. But if it's about what happens after Jurassic World, I'm excited for that. Anything in between, I'm down for. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of vague at the moment, but it seemed like it, it was going to be within the timeline of Jurassic World, like the movie. So I really hope that there's more, you know, more to it. Um, Aaron, what do you think? Do you want it there to be more to this? Um, do you want it to be before? Do you want it to be after or during? I don't know how much you can get out of during. That's like a few episodes, right? Well, I think they've kind of already said, and this is like, Clint, I think your theory might be, I think your theory is actually a fun idea. I don't know if it's where Camp Cretaceous is going to go because they've kind of said it takes place. They said like during the time of Jurassic World, right? Like, yeah, that's that's as far as I remember. Yeah. But you know, I've been pretty outspoken. Like, I personally don't see a reason to do a prequel before Jurassic Park. I don't think there's anything, um, not that there's nothing important or interesting. I don't think there's anything fun that happens before Jurassic Park necessarily. But I think there's a lot of fun that could happen to the lead up of Jurassic World. And so, yes, like, I think a show or a movie that is essentially um, the roundup and the capture and the 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 building of jurassic world i think that's way more fun than we could ever get out of anything for before jurassic park so i'm excited for an idea like that i hope we do get something like that i hope that's something that maybe comes out maybe after the trilogy they do they they go back a little bit for one movie like a one-off like rogue one or like solo and maybe we learn maybe we visually and audibly see what happens to site B and, you know, how Jurassic world kind of combines, you know, the best islands of the original franchise, or I mean, not the best islands, the only two islands uh, that we really know about. So um, yeah, again, I don't think that theory is necessarily going to pan out for you. um, But I think that, I think it's a great idea, and it's something that I'm definitely interested in seeing. I hope we get it. Sure. Um, hey, Jay, I know you're a very artistic guy. You you um, do a lot of art on your own, and I, I wonder what is the best art style that you would see for this? What would reflect the best? Would it be something before where they're trying to capture these dinosaurs? Um, would it be something like uh, during where you get to see Jurassic World in its pristine shape or after with like a downfall? What, what would you rather like tackle as an artist? Uh, personally, I think I would like to see kind of um, the 
the Jurassic World actually working? I know we saw a little bit in the movie, and as much as as much as like we saw some of the rides working, some other stuff. But I would actually like to see those kids. If if this takes place during Jurassic World, um, fully operational and before its downfall, I'd like to see in the in in the series the kids actually going on the rides, actually attending lots of the the events that are going on in Jurassic world, explore the, the, the park, the Jurassic world as a whole. Like, uh, I know there's rides that we saw, like, like a glimpse of like the river ride. And, and we saw the apatosaurs on the river and, and some other dinosaurs you never got to see in the movie at the moment. Uh, I know we saw like so many thrown into falling kingdom and it'd be great to see a little more of those, dinosaurs explored in that show but as as animation wise or style um i don't i don't know like i guess it it depends on the audience we're aiming for or they're aiming for um uh, from like the little art that we saw it's kind of you know um very stylized which Mm -hmm. um I guess I'm okay with. I, I I have to see it because we've never had an animation like this before, and we've had like animations that were canceled, and we've seen their animation styles. Like I think the the one for Jurassic Park was very um like uh, '90s comic book style, and then the one that yeah. we had for like Lost World that was like revealed not too long ago. That one was like all over the place. That one was crazy. It was concept that <laughs> uh, uh, concept art. Yeah, but. I feel like it's I don't know really how to how I feel about the animation till I actually see it I guess um it just feels like Jurassic Park was has always been a live world like live action you know real actors and CGI dinosaurs and this one's going towards that Pixar or like um I guess uh, what's the other like animation like DreamWorks? Yeah, yeah. DreamWorks, well, yeah. DreamWorks, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, is DreamWorks. it is DreamWorks, but yeah, it definitely has that like vibe it's where it's stylized. very natural, but like yeah, definitely stylized as far as like the characters are concerned, and and the dinosaur at least so far seems very natural. It looks like yeah. it could be a counterpart from the film. Yeah, we saw that raptor. That raptor looks very real. There, you can see there's like it like um like a stylized animation on it like a cover on it like you can't it you can put a like a real raptor from the movie and then that raptor and you can see the difference like when you really look at them but it looks very real so when we have these characters that you saw in like the 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 drawing or the picture that they have for like the camp cretaceous it i don't know how it's in my mind it just looks weird like having that real life looking raptor and then these kids that look very stylized so it you know until i see it then I like I guess I'll accept it and be like oh it works or I'll be like oh that does not work for me but it all depends with, until it actually comes out. Um, let's move on here to our next one. This one comes from our buddy Stephen Ray Morris. Hey, it's Stephen Ray Morris from the Sea Jurassic Right podcast. Here, first of all, congratulations on two hundred episodes. Holy Ooh, thanks, moly, that is incredible. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I wanted to call because I wanted to pose uh, a question to everybody, uh, two questions, uh, one we did in our latest mini-sode, which is, do you think Muldoon was good at his job? I mean, <laughs> he was, you know, the game warden, and he, you know, seemed to know so- some stuff about raptors, but 
you know, do you think he was a, well, he was a, do you think he was a good boss? I mean, really, you know, I mean, where do those socks take us? I don't know. Um, the other <laughs> question I had, uh, was I had this thought, what if we had to swap out the original seven dinosaurs from Jurassic Park with other dinosaurs? So if you had to switch out a T-Rex for a different predator, Triceratops for a different herbivore, Brachiosaurus for a different, what would you swap out your, uh, seven, you know, the seven original dinosaurs, what would you swap them out with? I'm really curious to know everyone's answers. I'm curious to know your answer, Brad. Um, again, oh congratulations gosh. on 200 episodes. Uh, you know, life finds a way on all that good stuff. I'll see you around. Dang, man. Thank, thank you so much. That means a lot coming from you. You know, somebody who's like a, a pro at podcasting, that uh, definitely means a lot. That's awesome. Um, and Jen, we, oh man, I was like, I'm sweating here because I'm thinking <laughs> I don't want to be first on this one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> you're gonna be first. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll go with the Muldoon question first. Was he good at his job? Um, you know, I'm beginning to doubt this because a lot we get a lot of questions about him, and I think way back in the start. Um, if you listen to our earlier ones, I'm like, yeah, he was great, blah, blah, blah. And now everyone's kind of asking that question. It's evolving a little bit. We're still getting that question. I'm starting to doubt his credibility now. I'm, I'm, we're at this point where I'm, I don't think so. Was he even a really employee? Did he just stumble upon there? I'm not sure. He just walked over and told everybody that the you know they need locks in the doors. And then just nobody's like, that's why nobody listened to him, of course, obviously. <laughs> See, that's it. it. We figure out the whole thing now. That was it. Hey, Steve, uh, we'll stick with this Muldoon question. We'll, we'll get to the other one after this. But uh, Steve, I, I know you're a huge Muldoon fan, right? Like, what do you think? Was he good at his job? Now, he is a brilliant character in a film. And I mean, no, anyone who can pull off those dunes you know, <laughs> is you know, 10 out of 10 in my eyes. But sure. Was he good at his job? <laughs> no, no. Absolutely not. Everything he did was just completely wrong. From wow. segregating these <laughs> segregating these raptors into a tiny, tiny enclosure um, was his first mistake anyway. And, uh, you know, even from the start, the way he loaded the raptors in, um, you know, just in a forklift coming through the trees, it's just you know, everything just seemed completely wrong. I mean, you take how Owen Grady... Um, interacted with his raptors you know he fed them from up high um individually yeah and you know he was in control whereas Muldoon you know these raptors were fed by a cow on a crane and you know it's just it's rubbish you know it's pointless it should have been fired to be honest I think Nedry would have done a better job <laughs> Yeah, I think you bring up a good point about uh, Owen doing things a lot better. Uh, Tom, what do you think? Do you think, uh, uh, what is his name, Muldoon was good at his job or, or, or are you more in line with uh, Steve there? So as I literally just said in our chat, clearly he has not played Jurassic World Evolution and does not know how to make a proper paddock. Um, <laughs> but beyond that, I, I find it interesting because I think that there's two different stances that you can really take with his character so you can say that yes he was good at his job because he clearly emphasizes the fact that these creatures are dangerous he says that they should all be destroyed which James if you're listening I'm sorry I can't do the impression I know you're going to hate me right now <laughs> um, and he really does try to actually 
get Hammond to think about these as dangerous creatures and not theme park attractions, essentially. But in that very, very same argument, you can say, well, he never goes far enough to make his opinion heard or to actually action anything he says. So he's really there just kind of, yes, with the right intentions and with the right morals around the situation, but I don't really think that he ever shows enough of a backbone to actually get anything done around the park. And so ultimately, because, you know, we see he notices these issues, he says that there's issues, he doesn't action them. And so ultimately those issues get him killed. Um, And I kind of think that that quite nicely summarises how his character, although he is aware of these things and aware of the correct protocols, he doesn't do enough to really initiate them as part of the park as a whole. Yeah, Aaron, are are you kind of um, astonished <laughs> by his lack of uh, competency here? <laughs> like, I didn't know this was a thing. Like, I didn't know people ever like the whole point of Jurassic is that Jurassic has the best of the best of the best, and so yeah, he was. I think he was totally. He excelled at his job. It's just that the whole point of the movie is that no matter you can have the best of the best of anyone and everything and life is unpredictable and so i think yeah of course i think he was the best i honestly think he was in charge of i i think he was probably in charge of uh the unit over on sorna that was delivering you know if we retroactively canonically go back and, and <laughs> consider sorna part of the first movie like i think he was like the head guy of both of both islands so to ever like doubt his uh his abilities, especially after working in Kenya for however long it was he did. Um, I, I think he was great. I just think that there were, you know, powers above him that, you know, just completely wiped out the island. I mean, look, there was, what, two other raptors in that pen that he managed to get in there. And then we're seeing the the one that, that kind of almost gets out. Um, yeah, I, I'm totally astounded that this is even like a controversy. Like, if you're not pro Muldoon, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe get out. Yeah, I think that's fair. I I, I um kind of never viewed it this, that way either. Like that uh, for at least for the longest time that he was bad at his job. So I kind of get what you guys are saying. I always thought that he was you know really good at his job, and just people never listened to him. But I will say, as I've watched the movies over and over again, I, I have seen little things here and there that I'm like, well, that how are you good at your job if this is what's happening? Like, like it. Yeah, but the, his job was his job was like dino wrangling and sure and animal like like if you like dennis nedry was great at his job dennis nedry was the best in his industry at the time and that doesn't mean that like just because he's the bad guy and ends up turning on everyone doesn't make him less good at honestly it makes him even more fantastic at his job because he hid all of his his tracks in lines of code that no one you know, could understand. Sure. Yeah, so, I think I think that's different though, because if if it wasn't storming and it wasn't like a, a terrible day and he didn't crash his car, that's outside of his job. You know, like on his resume, it doesn't say driving a jeep through a, a tropical storm or whatever. It, so that's not part of his job description. But Muldoon, he's like he's like kind of like the hunter guy. He's like he knows all about tracking these animals, doing all this stuff. And if that's part of his job and his resume. Why is he getting bested by this raptor over here? He should know. He knows that they're, they're hunting from all these different directions. Grant knows it for for Christ's sakes. Like, why is 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 Muldoon getting bested by these raptors? 
And I, I understand the, the job aspects as far as like the, um, the, like the vehicle doors, people not listening to them as far as all these other concerns are like that. That's, that's easily explainable just because people didn't listen to him. Um, so, so James, what do you think? Do you think he was any good at it, at, at his job? I, yeah, I, I don't think he was good at his job. I think the, <laughs> the thing with Jurassic is just like for me, it all goes back to like the novel. If you look at the novel, all the characters are completely flawed. Um, like you take yeah. sort of Ray Arnold, um, he's really jaded and just sort of really sort of over the whole theme park thing. And I think like if you look at all the characters, especially in the films, like Hammond keeps saying spared no expense. But actually, they're not one for the details, whereas Malcolm's like pointing out, oh, you know, you didn't actually think this all the, all the way through. And that's what I really love about the films is because actually they don't actually, they're not, they may be good at their job in terms of like, you know, Robert Muldoon spent loads of time in Kenya with, you know, dangerous animals, but these are, are animals from the past that they know nothing about. And Ellie puts that point across in the film. And when you think about it like that, they weren't prepared at all. Like you look at the Velociraptor sequence at the start, Robert Muldoon was completely unprepared for that entire situation with the way Joffrey died. So for me, I, I I just don't think he was good at his job. Yeah, I I, I can't uh, can't deny that. Um, let's see, Jay, what do you think? Do you think he was good at his job? I personally don't think anybody really knew what they were getting <laughs> into. Uh, yeah. James basically said exactly what I was thinking, and you know, it, they're taking animals from a different time that just don't exist in our world um we can compare them to some animals that we have now but we really don't know we just have their bones you know we've we studied their environments but at the same time we really don't know at the end of the day what these things coming into our world how would they react and grant said it perfectly when he says that quote you know um dinosaurs of man brought back together what can we possibly expect and that the results is what jurassic park is and when we get to Jurassic World, we have InGen that has had these animals for, what was it, like 20-something years already? Um, and, or, no, they, they got Jurassic World started in, like, 2005. Well, there's a, time, there's a good amount, like 10 years or something, they had yeah. these animals already. They had time to study and see how they would react. So bringing in somebody like, like um, Owen Grady, he knows what he's kind of expecting. When you brought in Muldoon, he's only – what hung out with lions and and uh leopards and cheetahs now we put in a lion with our with a with a raptor like especially the big one and you're gonna see a complete difference of like hunting strategy and how vicious that raptor is gonna be against that lion there could be a good fight but um i don't know i i feel like he was good at what he did in kenya but when he went into to Jurassic Park, it was a different ballpark, different game for him. He did what he could do. So I'm not trying to really say like, wow, he sucked at his job. But I feel like he <laughs> didn't know what to expect. And I don't think anybody there really knew what they were dealing with. Yeah, I, I love that this movie tells a story that these people had no clue what they were dealing with. Not nothing at all, like none whatsoever. But these these few people that just so happen to travel to the island this day, they know everything like they're they obviously are brought there because they're experts, but they are experts beyond anybody else involved in that park. And they know all the flaws and and details that these other people don't. So I'm we're going back around the horn here. And Jen, uh, I know you were afraid maybe to get to this question before, but what do you think about switching out all the dinosaur dinosaurs in uh, in Jurassic Park? 
do you have a, a select a set of dinosaurs that you would have rather seen or uh, or anything like that? Um, okay, I'm a prepared now. I had time to think about <laughs> it. And by prepared, I mean I'm totally gonna like sideline the question by asking another question <laughs> oh, and no. avoiding it. So my other but this is a good question. It's it's relevant. So I was thinking, was like the Brachiosaurus or Triceratops T-Rex the popular dinosaurs of choice before Jurassic Park and they put the popular dinosaurs in the movie? Or did Jurassic Park make those dinosaurs the popular dinosaurs? Huh. I mean, I guess you'd have to kind of look at what was popular in pop culture maybe um and 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 novels and stuff like that but i would say like if you if you look at like the land before time um what what dinosaurs were in that were you a fan of the land before time oh yeah i grew up with that one um i mean we have a t-rex in there we have uh i don't know what what is little foot you have yeah a bunch of things yeah, okay. Well, then my sidelining just ruined everything. I have no other dinosaurs. Don't ask me. Well, personally. there's 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 certainly ones in there that were unexpected, you know. I don't think anybody would have seen a Dilophosaurus coming or or stuff like that. Um but all the other ones I feel like are just standard, right? Like and all of my dinosaur books um always talked about, you know, Brachiosaurus and you know, you always saw them in the um the the old artwork and stuff like that always like going through big lagoons and stuff like that so that is straight out of jurassic park like they actually just pretty much copied and pasted all this old artwork um into the movie original person to be like we're just gonna take these dinosaurs out of all the dinosaurs ever we're gonna put these ones in our illustrations and we're gonna write these ones in our books and we're gonna put these ones in our movies and they just (laughs) like it's really interesting to think about that somebody chose those out of that giant um encyclopedia of dinosaurs and and they became like the staple standards sure yeah i mean if they had chose any anything else we would have been talking about all those you know yeah, and so instead of one person or group of people influence generations of dinosaur people yeah yeah it's really awesome it really totally changed the landscape and of course you know uh change the way we look at real dinosaurs because these are not real they're not natural they're they're something different and and these are the the concepts that we always think about do you have let me let me ask you do you have one dinosaur you would have liked to have seen instead of okay. one of the ones if if you could take um, out the the T-Rex <laughs> this is this is hard because they did the Carnotaurus and they yeah they did a lot already and if you're just looking off of Brachiosaurus well then another long neck or just like another dinosaur in general? Cause they're all kind of took one from each type. Generally, sure. Like the size and the type and the, um, even, yeah, the armored ones, like you have one of everything, I think. Yeah. If the, I took another one, it would just be in the same lane as those really. I know that first scene really wouldn't work without the Brachiosaurus. I don't think, right? Like it, even if something as grand as like the T-Rex was in that first opening scene, uh, you know, like when, when Grant's just falling down in the field and all that, like would a T-Rex have done, had that emotional weight as a Brachiosaurus would have? Would an yeah. Apatosaurus, another long neck? I just don't know if it would have had that same, you know, impact. Maybe like, you know, something that is essentially a Brachiosaurus, but just a different name would have worked. But I, I don't know if it would have worked yeah, as well. it's hard to, to pick different dinosaurs, even for different scenes, like you said, because I mean, they were picked probably for a reason. I mean, he needed a big, tall, overwhelming dinosaur for that one. And the T-Rex is a strong carnivore. And the, I don't even know what else you would 
pick. I mean, if you're we're, yeah. we're replacing scenes, like that's impossible. But just to add a dinosaur in, um, it seems like they picked one from every group. So I don't really know. And I don't obviously don't know enough about dinosaurs <laughs> to really sure otherwise so so steve what do you think do you have a a list of dinosaurs do you have seven dinosaurs that you would have liked to seen swapped out um right so i started typing and i was like (laughs) right t-rex i wouldn't have mind changing it for say like a pair of allosauruses okay and then i thought right okay i'll go on to the velociraptors and then i got stuck (laughs) and I, (laughs) i was trying to think in my head like the way the film goes um the dinosaurs fit perfectly and like you were saying that um opening shot with the brachiosaurus no other dinosaur other than you know something as big and a long neck it you know it wouldn't have that same impact so yeah trying to find trying to find seven dinosaurs that replace the you know it's it's too tough that is very tough i i and did he i think he said that this is going to be on um an episode of see jurassic right um Tom, do you do you have an episode or uh, oh, an episode? Do you have a list of dinosaurs or or are you just going to listen to his episode and see what everybody else says? Boy, the power of Google is all I am saying. Um, <laughs> because thank you for taking your time with that. Because I've been sat here frantically Googling different <laughs> dinosaurs that I thought were real, but wasn't Cheater. quite sure. Of. Um, <laughs> hey, th- there were no rules outlined, you know, Um Steve, just to clarify, my pop quiz did not involve Google at all. Just want to make that clear um, <laughs> moving forward. But yes, so Brachiosaur um, was quite an easy one for me because I went to Dinosaurs in the World. Obviously, I say I, we went to Dinosaurs in the World, Jen. Um, and that experience introduces the Alamosaurus. When you go back in time, you see this massive saurus report with lots of um sharp protrusions coming out of its neck and its back which was really really cool so i was instantly like just replace the bracky with the allosaurus it's got spirit presence um it's got quite cool design in my opinion then for the parasaurolophus i would replace it with an edmontosaurus just because there is one of them at london's natural history museum and as well as that, I really, really fell in love with that dinosaur in Jurassic World evolution. So Paratoronophus, Edmontosaurus, again, filling very, very similar roles there. Uh, for the T-Rex, I would go with a Giganotosaurus, just because the television show that I always bang on about, Primeval, one of the best dinosaur shows ever, uh, really made me fall in love with the Giganotosaurus. There's a sequence there where it gets like trapped in an aircraft uh, and it's a really, really cool dinosaur to see in action. So I could see that being quite intimidating. Uh, for the Triceratops, I would actually replace it with something a little bit smaller, but which I think would still fit on the scene because it is a Ceratopsian. And that would be the Styracosaurus. Uh, just because I really like the crest of that dinosaur and how unique it is. And I think it would still fit the scene well, but it's also a little bit different. So it would add a little bit more variety to the lineup there as well. Um, For the Gallimimus, again, being very, very lazy, I would just go with the Struthiomimus. Again, you know, one of the first dinosaurs you get in Jurassic World Evolution. And I think it's really, really cool. Um, for the Velociraptors, I would go with the Deinonychus, 
because I know there's a lot of argument around which ones they're actually based upon. I think it's believed now currently that they're based upon Utah Raptors, um, but the ones in the film are believed to be more accurate to Anonymous or something like that. Um, again, it would just fill that similar role. Um, and then the last thing that I really, really changed, uh, mainly because living in Kent, the dinosaur was found here. And I'm a big fanboy because it was found like 20 minutes from where I live. Um, I would change the Dilophosaurus for an Iguanodon. Um, and I would change that sequence in the nighttime where Nedry is out. So instead of him um, getting spat on with venom, he maybe gets clawed across the face or the abdomen and he's like bleeding out. It's quite vicious, similar to the novel, trying to crawl back and get to his Jeep while he's got all these lacerations on his body and then he ultimately gets killed. Um, I could see that being really, really cool and a nice way of reimagining that sequence as well. So... Yeah, that's my seven. And I feel like I just went super geeky. So on yeah, to the man. next person. <laughs> <laughs> you, you killed it. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, do you, do you have a list of dinosaurs that you'd like to see Good instead? I'm following that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't really have a list. I mean, I guess there's maybe some that I could easily swap out. I'm kind of with Jen. I feel like if I'm going to swap out like I'm waiting to swap out to you because here's here's what Jurassic Park accomplishes right Jurassic Park is like this this melding of it's taking kids fantasy and it's bringing it to the level of what adult like paleontologists already know or like adult people that are into dinosaurs like already know and so I think for me when Jurassic Park came out I want to say I was like in third or fourth grade and took these very fantastical creatures like T-Rex, which we're always used to seeing like upright on its legs and kind of these big lumbering like idiot reptiles. And it makes them fast and scary and really real. Um, and so I think when you're introducing all these new ideas to the general public, like dinosaurs are really birds and they were fast and they walked more like linear to the ground rather than like upright on their legs. I think you have to have a, you have to have something that grounds you just like in a superhero movie. You really need to have like a, uh, an element of something that ties back to a human, right? Like even guardians in the Marvel universe, guardians cent centers around an earth human um, to kind of give an audience that familiarity. And so I think if you would have done, if you would have taken T-Rex and switched it out for a gigantosaurus, or if you would have taken Triceratops and switched it out for styracosaurus and really velociraptor wasn't really known all that well amongst the general audience until jurassic park came out and even though the velociraptor is the size of like let's say a deinonychus the word velociraptor is much scarier than deinonychus and i think switching out the brachiosaurus for Crichton's original apatosaurus um i think the build of that animal is much more uh, it's much more majestic, you know, because it's, its front legs are are a lot longer. So like it kind of like has that ability to appear as if it's like kind of puffing out its chest and it's got an easier ability to stand up on its hind legs. And so I think the team on the original film did a great job of kind of choosing which dinosaurs to put in the movies. I will say like, I guess if I've got to swap things out, Maybe Triceratops for Stegosaurus, not because that's the original scene from the book, but because I just particularly like Stegosaurus over Triceratops. Um, and 
I mean, as much as I love the Gallimimus, I think I would have loved to have seen that stampede sequence be a little more like Jurassic Park 3, where it's multiple species living in a herd and not just not just Gallimimus. Um, so maybe that would have been a perfect scene to bring back the Parasaurolophus. Um, you know, but I, I don't think the movie would have done as well had you had you not had as many common dinosaurs in there because you're already introducing new things like Velociraptor and Dilophosaurus. And yeah, I don't know. I, that, that's a weird answer maybe, but I, I think that's where I stand on it. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, James, what do you think? Do you, uh, do you have a full list here? I think so. Yeah. It's, um, <clears throat> excuse me. It's um, really difficult. Like, you know, obviously with the Jurassic Park dinosaurs are so iconic. Yeah. Um, I mean, for Brachiosaurus, I would really up the scale and uh, bring in the Argentinosaurus, um, which is Ooh. just huge. Um, and for T-Rex, I'd change it probably to a Cacarodontosaurus. Um, I have to admit, I really sort of... Dryosaurus in Jurassic Park Operation Genesis had a big, big impact on me playing that game. So I was like, well, Gallimimus, I think I'll swap that for a Dryosaurus. Um I think for Parasaurolophus, remove that and put a Mutaparasaurus in. Um, Dilophosaurus, remove that and put an Ornithalestes in from the novel. And then uh, Pachyrhinosaurus for the Triceratops. Mm, that'd be um, awesome. Yeah, and the Velociraptor obviously was sort of a difficult one. Obviously, with the Dromaeosaurs, there's like quite a lot of them. And I just thought Euteraptor sort of the you know, sort of the size range there is around about the same. So I thought, thought that one. Sure, sure. I, I think all these in, these lists are pretty interesting. I, I love hearing like the crossover that we all seem to have or or don't at all. And uh, Jay, do you do you have anything that kind of crosses over, or do you got a fresh list here? I'm gonna, I guess, ruin this whole <laughs> asking of lists <laughs> of dinosaurs. Um, honestly, like I think when when um, I I saw Jurassic Park. Um, the only new dinosaurs to me were the Dilophosaur. Um, and that's it. Like even before that, I, I a lot of these dinosaurs were were my favorite. Of course, T Rex was my favorite. Was one of like the first dinosaurs that, like I I was like, oh, that's amazing. This huge predator was like walking around and everything. But the thing, really, I don't I don't I can't see myself replacing them with any other dinosaurs. And if if we replace like a Triceratops, Styracosaurus, Tilceratopsian, if we replace this other dinosaur, like it just too similar. Um, sure. If if anything, there was one thing that I could say when I was a kid that um, I wanted from Jurassic Park when I saw it. It was um, a lot of the Kenner toys that came out that of some species and dinosaurs that were never in the movie. And some of them weren't dinosaurs. Some of them were just uh, prehistoric reptiles. Um, like I always wanted to see a Dimetrodon. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know about replacing one of the main dinosaurs in the movie for that, but it'd be cool to see a Dimetrodon. I remember having the Coelophysis little toys. And oh, I was like, yeah. I was like, those would have been cool to see in the movie too. So there's a species that like you, I got um, as a kid uh, with the Kenner toys that I was like, oh man, why didn't have, why didn't they have this in the movie? And I guess, you know, you can't jump yeah. all those dinosaurs, especially in the first movie, but it it wasn't like um when i saw jurassic park these dinosaurs weren't really known to me um 
I would say like the um, the T Rex was a, a big favorite of mine. Sure. Velociraptor was known to me, but it wasn't as it, it was weird when I saw it in the movie, and I was like, wait, aren't they like really small? <laughs> so <laughs> that was yeah. a big change. So it's a tough question, but I honestly have to say. I know everybody has a list and they prepare lists and their whole name. Is <laughs> and I'm just like the one like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good with the originals. I don't know. Well, it is. Really- it's very hard to beat the originals. And I, I, I was laughing at when you were answering because I, I was imagining like you just chose like, the coelophysis to replace the brachiosaurus <laughs> like they, they drive up and then they, they literally get to look at like a few coelophysis on the ground and they're like you did it you, would have you to made see, dinosaurs like, you would just see like uh like the trees and just like a crane just roll in and then the crane goes all the way up and you see little tiny coelophysis at the top just grab <laughs> Grab a, a, yeah. an insect off the leaf. I like, like, John Hammond made this huge presentation. Like, he drove everybody out to the middle of this field. And then, <laughs> literally, like, a mile away near the water, you see, like, four coelophysis drinking. And, and Grant's like, what? What am, I, what am I looking at? I don't see anything. This field, look. And it, <laughs> or, like, a, a pair of binoculars. <laughs> or, like, the, uh, the Dimetrodons replace the raptors. Like, that would be, that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> I like the ideas, but, but I'll give you my list, Stephen. Um, this is, this is a very me answer. Uh, I don't know if anybody else will pick up on it or not, but I would go with the car, uh, Carnotaurus. I would also go with the Styracosaurus. I think, um, yeah, everybody kept saying Styracosaurus. I was like, oh man, uh, that was certainly something I had on my list right away. Um, I, I'm also going to go with the Iguanodon. Um, I'm going to go with in the ride. <laughs> Jen, you're spoiling my answers. You're spoiling my answers. I'm going Compsognathus. Somebody had to do it. <laughs> I'm going Aliramis, the Saltosaurus, and some sort of pterodactyl type creature. So yes, I went with Dinosaur the Ride. Sauropod. <laughs> yep. So that's that was my that was my answer. I figured why not go with what you know, and uh, I'd like to see Dinosaur the Ride. <laughs> I'm very surprised they didn't do some kind of flying reptile in the first movie. I think that going back to what I was saying about all these dinosaurs being familiar to people, I think just like you, I don't think you can replace the T-Rex with really anything because I think kids would be disappointed in going to a movie about dinosaurs that didn't have T-Rex. But like in the same sentiment, I was, I was disappointed as a kid that there was nothing flying. I mean, were they birds or were there like actual small flying ones in the opening sequence, like by the pond or whatever? I'm I think not it exactly was, sure, it was just birds. Yeah. It was just birds. So yeah. like, yeah, it just was really weird to me that they didn't have like something flying in that first movie. That's why like the ending of the lost world is, is so awesome because you get to see all of these things that you love so much all combined in one area and you get the flying, you get the stegosaurus, you get the multiple, like a family set of T-Rex. That was why I love that scene so much, but yeah, I think uh, it's a tough question and I'm excited to hear, hear what other people are saying on his podcast. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the next one. So thank you so much, Mr. Stephen Ray Morris. That was uh, a question that, that made us last like what nearly 30 minutes or so. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on here to the next one. This one comes from Amy. Hi, Jurassic Park podcast. It is Amy. What's up? I know it's been a minute since I've called, but I just wanted to wish everyone a happy 200th episode. Um, you guys are awesome with Jurassic Mailbag, and 
just contributing to the Jurassic Park fandom. I mean, we absolutely, I absolutely love listening to you. So thank you so much. And again, happy 200. Um, I guess today I'm calling about toys. I know that Mattel and other brands like Lego, um, and just kind of following the uh, podcast lately, there have been a lot of awesome to- uh, contributions to the toys uh, being released for Jurassic World. Um, we've come a long way, and I think that even with like the tiniest details, they've been pretty they've been pretty good with it and improving on it. So I guess my question, if you guys, you know, are um, the collectors collectors of the toys, or you know, just it's interested, like what would what would you be interested in seeing? Like what would what toys would you guys like to see that would be even more? Um, better or more pays more homage to Jurassic World and Jurassic Park. Like what is what is something that just could really make that perfect like toy for the franchise that has not been released yet? Or what would you improve if you already think it's pretty perfect but it could just be a little bit more perfect if it's already out there? Um for myself I'm not really sure at this point honestly I think they could do like an animatronic robotic Jurassic Park dinosaur because I love all the figurines, especially the ones that have been newly released recently in the last couple months. But honestly, I'm on the creative side, I'm not really sure what they could do other than like robotic toys, like genuine robotic toys. All right. Well, that is my question for the day. I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your day and catch you on the podcast. Bye. Thanks, Amy. Thank you so much. Um, And I I like your question uh, because we're always talking about the toys and especially after um, San Diego Comic-Con, we have a a decent idea as far as like what is coming um, in the future here. But um, Jen, I know you're, you're not necessarily a huge toy person, but if there was like one thing that would get you to buy anything, I guess whether it's a dinosaur or humans or, or play sets, is there something out there that uh, would get you to buy it right away? Um, yeah, I actually have two answers here. Um, really, really thinking because I'm like, well, outside of the dinosaur, like something that I really would want to buy. There's two things. One is something from Jurassic World. Claire, like the white stuff, like the white oh, outfit, yeah, yeah. she's not represented in anything, and that's way more iconic than anything in Fallen Kingdom. So something like a, a Jurassic World Legacy collection, just so I can get something in original Claire. And then number two um, is something like I don't know, not, not a dollhouse, but like a playset of the different sets, like the the lab, and then the inno- innovation center, and like the um, just every big set piece kind of like in a play set like, i don't know if poly pocket maybe sense but bigger than that and and like a, sure. it opens up like a dollhouse kind of thing and you could play with the different areas i know that they kind of touched on that um i don't know if they actually released anything but i i do remember seeing something or someone talking about something like that but it was such on a small scale and nothing like how i'm thinking but anything that encompasses like an entire set piece in a play set I think that would be so cool because I remember um, for one of my birthdays, like when I was three or 
two or four, I don't know. I had a dinosaur cake and it had like the little cages <laughs> and everything on it. And I remember that the, the set, like the play set of something was so cool. And we don't really get things like that, like a yeah. full, cool, a million pieces. Like the Legos, I guess, is the closest you would get to that. But they're still Legos. You still have to build it. It's not an, a, like a dollhouse kind of thing. So um, it's probably really expensive to make. That's why. But I would really love something like that. Yeah, you know, back in the old days, we we had all kinds of play sets, whether it was like the Technodrome from uh, Ninja Turtles. Um, There's always, oh, the um, the Discovery Center or whatever from Jurassic Park. Um, one of my favorite things was the Barbie Playhouse or whatever it was. <laughs> my sister owned it. Okay, so this is my sister's toy. It was a giant, like three foot tall Barbie house, three foot That's long what even. Thinking about my cousin had that. Yeah, and it was like three separate segments that you would put all together. And um, we used that as the like the hideout or the the visitor center for all my Jurassic Park toys and dinosaurs would always attack it. Um, so I know Mattel covers all this stuff. Like when I went to Toy Fair and walked around Mattel's area, they had their giant Barbie play sets out there. So what? What? why can't we just get something like that? It doesn't even have to be too, too involved. I would just love to see like something giant like that, that we could just throw our toys in and it's, it's lightly themed even. It would be fine, I think. But something giant that we can really play around with these things. I think that would be perfect. So you, it's funny. Cause like, while you're not necessarily in the toy, um, you know, demographic gen, you know, you're not really covering it as much as a lot of others are. You just nailed it. You know, you hit it right on the head there. That's exactly what I think a lot of people are looking for. Um, Aaron, I know you're, you're a big toy guy. So what do you think? We, we might've even talked about this already in the last episode, but, uh, any, any quick thoughts on what you'd like to see? Unlike what I'd like to see. Well, so for me, it's more about scale than anything. So like, and, and honestly, like even like less impressive things, um, I would love the ability to buy like a bucket of copies, like army man style, where like maybe you buy a bucket for $15 and you get like 20 <laughs> non posable, non movable, just one color mold, like green copies that maybe come in like a few different, like molded poses. Um, but like on like a little base, that you could kind of stand up and you could kind of herd. Um, I really dig that. Like we're getting, is it microceratops or microceratus or something? Um, in some of these, uh, they're not battle damage. They're like breakout damage or something figures. Um, and then I would love a triceratops that even, I would actually just love more herbivores. Um, and I don't think we get too many because I don't know if they sell as well, but I would love more herbivores that are to scale so, like, for instance, like, I think the Stegosaurus is a great figure in the Mattel line, but I think that the Triceratops, and I know, like, AJ, like, disagrees, but I think the Triceratops is is probably the weakest figure they have. And, and <laughs> to some point, like, the Sinoceratops is <laughs> that they even gave us, one, it's, like, the wrong mold, and two, it's not the right size for, for any dinosaur that it semi-represents. Um, I would actually love to see them amp up the size uh, so that... The T-Rex figures and the the Spinosaur figures and the Indominus figures aren't like, I mean, yeah, they're like kind of the, the queens of like the island, but it's because they're giant carnivores. We have giant herbivores that easily could give them a run for their money. And I feel like toy wise, we don't really have too many herbivores that would go up against them no. real well. Um, I mean, look, if you would have asked me this last year, I would have said I need a Brachiosaur toy, but apparently it's coming and we're going to get more. Um, but yeah, I would love 
you know, compies, um, just more herding style dinosaurs and herbivores that are in scale. Like as much as I love the Gallimimus figures this time around, they're completely the wrong scale. Um, like when you are driving around in Jurassic world evolution in the Jeep, the Gallimimus is like taller than the Jeep, um, you know, and they were big in the original, in the original movie, um, you know, like twice the size of, of Alan and the kids running through that field. So for me, it's more about scale as like compared to, their need to fill like a package and price point size. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I would love. And then of course, you know, humans and cars and buildings and all that stuff that to me, that goes without saying, I don't think we're getting enough of that. And then um, just keep surprising us. Like with that giant alligator thing that I, you know, I was listening back to the wire the other day and I was like, I was, I, I was as excited listening about that alligator figure as I was talking about it for 20 minutes. So that's all I really <laughs> got to say. Cause I talk about toys all the time. <laughs> Tom, do you have any uh, anything you want to see? I literally just clicked to turn my video on instead of my audio. <laughs> so um, we're off to a good start here. Um, wow, I really kind of agree with what Aaron was saying. I think um, a lot more in the way of vehicles and kind of human characters would be really, really cool. And I think that um, Brad, actually, you sum it up very nicely in the review of the Ultimate Baryonics playsets. Oh, come on, Which no. is a review that everybody <laughs> needs to watch, um, where basically you're talking about the bike and you say how this is kind of more the sort of stuff we want to see. Sure, yeah. Stuff that we're not necessarily... You thought I was going to go somewhere else. I did. I thought, you're, I thought you were like had your, your audio clip ready to go you were gonna hit play and, and yeah but no <laughs> so yeah i think like that kind of attitude where it's things that we're not expecting but which are really really beneficial i mean obviously anyone who follows me will know that i do a lot of toy photography so for me i find a lot of value in sets that don't just give us dinosaurs they give us accessories they give us um vehicles they give us scenery pieces so things like that would be really, really cool to see. And I think that that Baryonyx set, although it does a lot of things right and a lot of things wrong, it's got the right kind of principles behind it, where it's finding creative new ways to um, really give us the best of both worlds and give us humans, give us dinosaurs. I mean, I know it's something that Chris likes dinos has always been pushing for, which is to give us dinosaurs packed in with humans because it would make a lot more sense to shift both those units. So I hope that maybe they do that. And equally, where we get things like branding for, say, dino rivals, I want to see them go more down that rabbit hole. Don't just give us this title and then leave it as cards and on the app. I mean, how cool would it be if one of their big uh, sets, for example, was like a battle arena where you get a bit of fencing, a medium-sized herbivore, a medium-sized carnivore um, as like this massive playset. I I know, obviously, we're talking about price brackets and the way that the toy industry works today is a lot different to how it used to work. But I think things like that, especially if you've got things like the app uh, inclusivity there, would be really, really cool to see. Um, And I do just want to sum up quickly by saying I did really appreciate, Brad, how when you were talking about what you wanted to see, you started by saying back in the old days. That was beautiful. What are you trying to say there? (laughs) (laughs) I just, you know, wanted to throw that out there. (laughs) 
All right, all right, youngin. You know, you and your youth mentality. It's fine. It's fine. Thank you, Amy. Um, oh, you know what? I, I skipped over. I wanted to get Jay's thoughts. Actually, Jay, Jay, what do you think? I, I have like Jay Jurassic is like the go-to toy guy. So, so what are you thinking about? Uh, what do you want to see here? Well, back in the old days, <laughs> <laughs> since I am in old collector from back in the, the original line from way back 94 you know so um wasn't even alive oh <laughs> god so, so i guess uh me and you brad were, uh, and a couple of us here were were the dinosaurs of jurassic park according to <laughs> we are tom who who do we right. want to see? What dinosaurs? We want to see myself. I want to see Jay in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, basically, you guys have said all the points that I would really say about this. Um, yeah, we need more humans. That's one thing that that everyone knows that I've been saying constantly. Um, and I, I've said that as well, like how Chris he said that with um package if the humans aren't selling well then package them with dinosaurs um you don't have to package them with like you know medium-sized carnivores or or herbivores you can package them with some of the smaller dinosaurs and uh newer species and get them out there that way um as far as vehicles uh yes we need an explorer that's another thing we definitely need an explorer because the jeep that mattel produced is fantastic the the jurassic jeep the both versions even though the one with the net launcher it's it's reminiscent of like something that kenner would do back in the day where they give you the vehicle but they add like this crazy like weapon on it or something yeah and you could just always customize it but um something that we've never really seen that i think um if we're going to go into vehicles and Mattel is going to produce the same type of vehicles, which is very somewhat like movie accurate. Yes. There's a little tiny inaccuracies on the Jeep and, and other vehicles, but there's, you can simply pass them. You don't have to be so on edge about them, but like compared to what Kenner did, right. You know, you look at the Jeep, the, the Bush devil tracker from Kenner, awesome vehicle. But when you compare it to the the Mattel one, the Mattel one is more movie accurate. Now, yeah. if we're going down that line, I would love to see the original helicopter from the first movie. I don't oh, know the man. exact that. How cool would that be? We have one for for the Jurassic World. The the one Masrani goes on and you know um, takes a ride <laughs> into the bird cage, the bird <laughs> area. Um, and it's it's cool it's pretty it, it looks great but it would be great to have like that that's one thing that we've never really had we've we've had a, a a helicopter i have one um i forget the exact name that they called it for the kenner line back in the day but it looks nothing like the helicopter that we see in the beginning yeah it'd be great to have that you could add some action feature to it, something a missile or something just like any other um toy but as far as everything else like if you compare if you put in um kenner you put in hasbro and then you put in not has um when i say hasbro i say uh jurassic park 3 hasbro um toy line and you put in um what we got from mattel all them combined have created you know if we're looking just for this line 
yes, it's kind of like we're repeating stuff that we've got from before, but better or um, better molds or like a more movie accuracy or whatnot. Um, but if we're looking at what we never got, like that copter is something we've never gotten, um, a play set with they would have to do with um, the SS Venture cargo set. Oh, that would be crazy. I, the, you know, I don't I don't think that would ever happen. No, honestly. probably not. No way. Because no, I was at a toy show not too long ago and um, they had if you guys some of us know about the G.I. Joe toys, they went all out. They had huge sets there all set up. There was one that was like, uh, I don't know, it had to be like six feet long. It was a battleship and it just had all all like these tanks on it and everything. I'm like. That would never happen nowadays. No, but it's so cool to think it it could do that. Um, yeah, that uh, that would be awesome. Um, I don't know. I hope playsets make a return and stuff like that. That would be great. Hopefully, we get those vehicles like so many of you are asking for. That would be incredible. It would, but I don't know. I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll have to see. But I'm excited for all of those things as well. I won't repeat everything there. But um, Amy, I was going to ask you. Um, Where's Veronica? We, you know, we didn't get a, a voicemail from Veronica this 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 uh, week here. And then as I'm recording this this part right here, Veronica reaches out on Twitter and says, oh, no, I'm sorry. I missed it. And I said, call right now. And she called and we we got a voicemail. So let's uh, let's let's go ahead and listen to Veronica's voicemail. Oh, my God. Thank you, Brad. <laughs> I just saw your tweet. First off, I just want to make this as quick as possible and just get my points out. But anyways, congratulations for making it to your 200th episode. I'm so proud of you guys. I love this podcast so much. I Oh, my God. You guys are the best. I can't even thank you enough for having me on a segment. But anyways, as um, we're reaching to this moment, this awesome moment, I wanted to talk to you guys about, um, actually, if you noticed, Jurassic Park references in the new Stranger Things. Um, it's Oof. actually in episode six, which is called E Pluribus Spurnum. Can't tell you how many times I've seen that episode. Anyways, um, actually, Carrie Elwes does uh, John Hammond's famous line, We spared no expense. And then, you know, other stuff happened that, like, you know, if people haven't seen it, oh my god, I don't know. I don't want to spoil it too much, but you know, that <laughs> that line is used, and there's some other references of Jurassic Park in that episode, and I want to know if you guys noticed that, because I thought that's cool. It's nice to know that someone's a big Jurassic Park fan, and they put it into the show. So anyways, that's about all that I have for you. Um, thank you so much for letting me call so late, Brad. I appreciate <laughs> you guys. All right. Have a good one. <laughs> Look, I'm glad that we got you on here, Veronica. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm glad we, we did get that uh, voicemail there. Um, now, as far as Stranger Things is concerned, um, yeah, I don't want to spoil it. I'm glad you didn't like give away anything there because there's certainly some some big things that happen that are definitely references to Jurassic Park. Um, and I feel like they've been doing this for I don't know if every season, maybe even um, there's always something little in there. That's like definitely Jurassic related. And everybody's always like, well, what? That doesn't make any sense. This is a, a TV show stuck in the eighties. Why would Jurassic park be a reference? And, but I think that just tells how like timeless, you know, the show or the movie is uh, being able to fit all these 
iconic things, whether it's a line or certain imagery or something like that. Um, I love that Stranger Things has done that. And every time it happens, I'm like, oh, my God, that is such like a, a Jurassic Park moment. Jen, did you uh, get a chance to watch that show at all or no? Um, I would love to, but Josh has not seen season two, so I have to rewatch season oh, two with him Josh. before I get to three. I know, and I want to watch three so much, but <laughs> I gotta wait. I gotta get to two again. Well, I think you guys will will really love it. It's it's a pretty awesome uh, season. I I can't stop. I'm like we're many weeks after now, and I just literally can't stop thinking about it. It's so awesome, and and we're actually in the middle of rewatching everything again like as soon as i stopped season three i went back to season one and i started watching that so yeah it's awesome it's it's so great but uh i'm glad i'm glad we got veronica's call in there that was awesome Uh, let's move on here to the next one uh this one comes from joe let's let's see all right so take two i took a little too long last time so (laughs) little little backstory joe called twice and uh, the first one got cut off. So he essentially repeated a lot of the same stuff. So we're just playing the second one. Um, my name's Joe, also known as the Master Jeremiah. And ever since I was a little kid, five, maybe six, I started watching Jurassic Park films. And, uh, you know, I was I was born in 2004. There, it was just those three things and some other stuff before uh, for a couple of years. Hey, 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 Tom, is this person younger than you or? What is going on right now? <laughs> what? Uh, a lot of years, actually. But it really impacted my life because, you know, it's hard, especially uh, it's hard to grow up, especially if you suffer from like autism. And you know, it was just a coping me- mechanism. It was an oasis. Um, the whole series was really just the place where I could, you know, escape from life and be me and do whatever I wanted to do. Um, and it's just really impacted my life in that way. I grew up on the original trilogy of films. I especially loved the first two, and that's how I spend a lot of my free time. Um, I read some... Uh, I read the books for the series... Uh, it's probably somewhere around 2013, 2014, maybe 2015. When I got them as a set, it was probably 2014 or 15. It was like the build-up to Jurassic World. And I loved it. And um, the books are great. So, And then when Jurassic World came out, I watched it. And I watched it. Uh, quite a few times and the whole reason that I do what I do and I love what I do and like why I uh, why I'm still uh, uh, well why I'm still uh, here is because of the this series i've it's just helped me through thick and thin and you know it's just an amazing place and it's a great community and i guess that's all i really got to say about it and despite 
any flaws or inaccuracies. <laughs> I will always love it and will go down as the greatest uh, media franchise, in my personal opinion. So, Star Wars, suck it. <laughs> Not a Star Wars fan there, huh? <laughs> Ooh, fighting words. <laughs> yeah, you know, I... I um. I, I think that this franchise really speaks like volumes about how impactful it is to everybody. And we're 26 years into this, right? And, and we're all still here. We're all still talking about it. And it shows how like really important it is to people. And, and you know, like Joe was saying, how much of an escape it is, you know, depending on how how good or how bad your life is, like you can escape into this movie and, I think that's what makes it so great is like it's this other it's our world, but it's like another world that like we hope exists or we want to exist. We want to visit this park. We want to do all these things. So it's it's such an escape more than some movies, you know, and I guess part of that escape is the fact that it's on like its own island. You're really not. Maybe that's why people don't like like the lost world, you know, when it touches in San Diego at the end, but like you're on an Island, you're, you're away from everything. It's like another world and it really does feel like an escape or a vacation. And I love that. And it, it really does impact a lot of people. And, uh, you know, he mentioned the community as well. So yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. And I think this podcast, you know, speaks volumes as well about community and how, how much that this series brings everybody together. And I think that's important. I, I love it. <laughs> Are you waiting for someone to chime in? I, I was hoping maybe, maybe. Uh, I thought you were switching to the next one. No. <laughs> oh, live. I mean, personally, like, I mean, for me, for me, what I think when I compare like Jurassic to any other franchise is that, and I'll, I won't say any other franchise, I'll say any franchise that's like super popular today. Like, I would consider if you look at the MCU, Star Wars, um, gosh, it, I feel like it's just like Disney stuff killing it, but I feel like Jurassic is kind of on the bottom of that, like on the bottom of super popular franchises. Um, it, and when you, yeah, and especially like Harry Potter, Jurassic is the one that actually has, has the most, I'll say science, like in quotes science. And so Jurassic has to work. Jurassic has to work in a, in a level that the, that the science has to kind of already be there. And it kind of has to like, you have to explain the science. Like, you know, like when they did the blood transfusion, right? It was, well, can you just give a, can you give a T-Rex a blood transfusion or can you give a raptor a blood transfusion from a T-Rex? Like, even though it might not be completely accurate, which Colin has said it is. Um, and, the, but there's argument about it, like whether or not that would be possible. At least they try to explain it. To the audience and i think jurassic gives people um it's more than just fantasy to talk about it's more than just lore like whenever you talk about star wars or harry potter or marvel it's really just about the lore of it it's never really about like the real world application and the possibilities of it um even you know in the mcu which is a lot of like science fiction things the the technology and the science it's just it's like it's just so simply thrown away. Like Iron Man's Iron Man's um, math 
it's not really anything. It's a it's a 3D model on a computer. <laughs> like it doesn't even yeah. exist today. But Jurassic has to like fit into these confines of our world, which I think is really Oops. interesting. So that's all. That's all I'll say on that. Yeah, um, James. You know, we we just heard about how impactful this series is. How, what is it? Does it, does it feel like at least like an escape for you and, and very impactful in that sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I'm sort of just really happy that the series has just been able to continue because there was such a long period of time between the series from Jurassic Park 3 to us not knowing whether it was going to continue. And then we got Jurassic World in 2015. But just to see how the series is progressing, and I feel like the past couple of years especially has just been a fantastic time to be a Jurassic Park and Jurassic World fan. I've never seen the franchise come together as much as it has done, not just from the community, but just all the, like the toys and the, the merchandise and like the, you know, the Jurassic World ride and the new developments in Orlando, just like everything that's happening. And I, it's, it's just amazing to see it. So for me, just sort of seeing the series continue, I'm really excited for Jurassic World 3. Um, but just sort of for the future after that, because it's just completely unknown at the moment. And like Colin said, he doesn't know what's going to happen after the next film. So, so it's, I, I just think it's really exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely like a safe place for everybody to talk about the things that they love, whether it is all those things that you mentioned. And that's what I love about this. It just it's it's a cool fandom, a great community um, and an escape for me as well. So, yeah. Thank you, Joe. Um Let's go ahead and move on here. We have uh, some stuff from Caleb Burnett, our, our buddy Caleb. Let's let's take a listen. Hey, Brad, Tom, all the Jurassic Park podcast contributors. Uh, it's Caleb Burnett here. Just want to say congratulations on episode 200. And uh, you guys do a great job. Give us fans something great to listen to. Um, and the question I want to ask is... Uh, Again, uh, how do you know they're all females? Somebody uh, go out in the park and <laughs> lift up all the dinosaur skirts. Um, <laughs> That's it. He just he cut it off there. Apparently, <laughs> he just answered his own question. <laughs> I guess, yeah, in. yeah. That's yeah. That, they told us that's what happened. <laughs> um, we're gonna follow it up with another one from Caleb here. Hey, Brad. Hey, Jen. Just calling to say what's up. <laughs> Happy Jurassic June. And, uh... Hey, Caleb, it's August, man. You know? Get with it. <laughs> no. I've had this one apparently since June, maybe? <laughs> I have some Jurassic marriage-related questions for you. Ooh. So, if Alan and Ellie come back in Jurassic World 3... Do you want them to be married, together, not married, dating? But also, if Ian Malcolm returns, should Sarah Harding come back? And would you want them to be in a relationship or married? Anyway, that's all I got. See you soon. Jen, what do you think? Do you do you want any Jurassic marriages here <laughs> coming up um. in the next movie? I don't not marriages. No, there might be. I don't know. That ship may have sailed, but I would like <laughs> to see Alan and Lee together. Of course, for sure. They need to fix that problem from three. I don't want to see Sarah Harding ever. So 
no on that. And I don't think Malcolm's <sighs> someone who would stay with people more than a day anyway. So, but I do want to see Alan and Ellie together. And with the, you know, the rumors of people coming back, I'm hoping that they go that route and we get to see that. And it's like all, everything evens out in the world and it's okay. I, and yeah. I don't know where we talked about it recently. If it was here or in person with somebody on wire, I'm not sure, but um, I definitely don't want Alan and Ellie. No, stay, yeah, stay no. split apart, whatever. I would actually be cool with um, Ian and Sarah. I think that would be pretty cool to see her return. Um, and I feel like that would be the only way we could get a return from her, even though I, I think, yeah. And in, in one of the recent mailbags, I talked about how I think she would be more imperative than Ellie to bring back in this movie. But who am I? You know? Yeah, we were so. like polar opposites on that um, <laughs> returning cast ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to speed along here. So, Caleb, thank you so much. Um, I have another one here from Tim, our buddy, uh, Collector Essex. Uh, let's hear what uh, Tim has to say. Hey, Jurassic Park podcast. Uh, this is Tim from Collector Essex. And, of course, I had to call in uh, and talk about some toys with you guys. Uh, <laughs> so got a lot of new stuff coming out uh, this year and next year. But just curious what your thoughts were on the uh, Legacy Collection and what we would like to see from that going forward. If it ever does come back, obviously everyone wants a Jeep or sorry, everyone wants a Ford Explorer pretty bad, but are there any toys that you guys would like to see from the Legacy Collection um, You know that we haven't really talked about? Uh, awesome show. Thanks for letting me call in. Thanks, Tim. Thanks. Um, I'll, I'll start off here and just say uh, I think we covered a lot of this, you know, maybe in that one of those last questions. Um, but yeah, explore for me. I want I want that breakaway bathroom set and uh, give me a rolling tempo. I really want that. So that's that's my picks. Uh, Jen, do you have anything that you'd like to see from the past? Yes, I would like a Jurassic World Legacy collection with Jurassic World Claire. <laughs> that that counts as the past. So you win. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Tom, Tom, what do you think? I really struggled to find the on mute button again then. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's becoming a frequent problem. Um, I am fully with Jen that I think there is a lot of scope to explore some fun stuff from Jurassic World. I mean, getting a generic ACU trooper in a baseball cap with one of the taser rifles. Why we haven't got one yet, I really don't understand because it would make a lot of sense. Um, I also think that there's a lot of scope to do a lot of fun stuff with the Lost World. You know, we've got all of the capture vehicles, the Humvees, the other smaller vehicles, which I think could make for some really, really fun places, like we were saying earlier, which would really bridge that gap um, in terms of having a gap between humans and dinosaur toys and actually make something up brings all of the best stuff together. So I really, really hope that if it does continue, which I hope it finds some kind of new life, particularly within the movie uh, years in 2021 and beyond, that we see them kind of really reinvest uh, some energy in the whole legacy of the line as opposed to just that first film. Yeah, I like that. Um, let's go ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to breeze through a lot of these things here. Um, because we've only scratched the surface on these voicemails and we're already two hours in. So let's, uh, let's continue on here. We have one from Austin. Let's take a listen. Hi, my name's Austin. I'm on Twitter. I'm Jurassic Austin. What's up, I'm dude? I'm a long time listener to the show and it took me a minute to think of a good question to ask, but 
for the 200th episode, I wanted to know your thoughts on the rumors of Jurassic Park 6 possibly being broken up into two different films. I know it's just a heavy rumor right now. Personally, I don't think I want that, but maybe they can make something work with that. What do you think? Thanks. Um, does anybody know where this rumor is stemming from? Because I've heard a few people talk about this splitting up thing, um, but I, I actually didn't know where it, where it came from. I guess nobody um, knows. Huh? Uh, no, I mean, I've never heard <laughs> of There's that. There's a screenshot. Someone, I think Fede screenshot it. It was in a rumor on some website, but I don't know the website because it's a screenshot of just the rumor section. So I don't know where it came from, but it was on some website somewhere. Huh. Yeah, I, um, I've seen a few people uh, talk about it, but like I said, I just have no idea where it came from. Um, but as far as like the rumor is concerned, um, whether it's true or not, I have no idea. I would, I would like that. I think that would be great. I think that would be a great way to continue. I think we might have even mentioned it um, a while back on one of our episodes. Maybe it came from us. Maybe we started that rumor. <laughs> We're the rumor. Someone listened to the podcast. <laughs> but I would love that. I know yeah. I, I'm surprised to see a lot more opposition because even in his tweet, um, when he first posted the screenshot, which I'll send you, I'm looking for it here, but I – there's a lot of like people saying no don't do that it was stretched out too long i don't want two one and a half hour movies blah blah blah. i'm like what if both are over two hours and it's epic and and personally i get two press junkets and i get two times to do like the press stuff and that's exciting to me so um i would love to i get to do it twice because i don't want to say goodbye to this excitement of the movie and i'm not ready to say goodbye because i know this is me the last time they're going to film it but if they break it into two we get two sections of like build up excitement trailers and I don't want to let that go yet. <laughs> yeah. I think that's uh, the the best thing, you know, getting to cover this all. Well, man, that means if this is coming out 2021, we're probably not going to, we're going to go. Well, usually when they do like, maybe they film things back to back, usually it'll come out like the next year. So maybe, you know, 2022, I think we would have heard about this already by this point, but like as, as far as officially, but um who knows? That would be a cool rumor. Maybe they split it out a little bit farther or or we got to wait until 2024. Like, But that just means the podcast has to keep going. So 200 mailbags is sounding a little bit more probable now. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to go to Tom, but apparently he's cooking chicken. So we'll go ahead here to the next uh, the next one. So this is from <laughs> Genozoic Artist. Let's, <laughs> let's take a listen. Hello, Jurassic Park Podcast. This is Genozoic. And before I... Before I say anything else, wow, congrats on the 200th episode. Thank you. That's insane. Well deserved. (laughs) But still, wow. So as far as thoughts, comments, or, you know, questions, well, seeing the footage from the Mattel Jurassic World panel, I was particularly excited by, well, everything, if I'm being honest, but in particular, their focus on letting us know about Netflix's upcoming Camp Cretaceous series, which I'm an animation buff, so that's kind of one of the things I really love to see coming forth. I've been wanting the Jurassic Park animated series since I was a kid. You know, 26 years that waiting. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I'd love to hear any hopes, fears, and general wonder of what could be in store for the Camp Cretaceous toys. I'm optimistic Ooh. this may be a return to a bit more focus on the human characters, but that being said, I really hope they package them with some not miniaturized adult dinosaurs. You know, Compsonathus is always great, but possibly return to Hatchling dinosaurs? Maybe some other smaller breeds that might not otherwise receive a toy. I mean, who wouldn't want an Archaeopteryx, right? I, yeah, I know, not a dinosaur, but <laughs> flying reptile. We'll just, or is, 
Uh, now I'm confusing myself here. Well, again, anyhow, congratulations <laughs> that happens to me all the time. Episodes again. Can't wait to see what's in store for the future. After all, it's always closer than it appears, right? Yeah. All right. Thanks again, and hopefully I made the deadline. Jen's Oak out. <laughs> you made the deadline, man. You got in. Um, and, yeah, I uh, I have no idea what the future holds for for the show. I mean, like everybody's saying, 200 more. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, I mean, we just play it like week by week. Whatever happens, happens. And of course, we schedule a lot of stuff out. But I'm excited to see where it goes, too. So five years from Jurassic World. So jeez, yeah, it's pretty, it's, much. It's, it's pretty crazy here. Almost. Yeah. Um, but uh, oh, he talked about uh, Camp Cretaceous toys um, as far as what we want to see and stuff. And, and I think he's spot on there with wanting um hatchling dinosaurs instead of these shrunken down adult dinosaurs that really bothers me one of my biggest nitpicks here with uh, mattel's toy line is these just shrunken down versions of the adult dinosaurs doesn't i don't like that i I really like the hatchlings they were they're always one of my favorite things the baby dinosaurs they actually looked like babies they didn't look like fully grown adults and stuff like that so i need more of that stuff um and i'm interested though to see like how stylized they are, because when you when you look at Star Wars toys, um, they have toys for all of their mediums. You know whether it's the movies, they look certainly more realistic. Then they have the ones for like Star Wars Rebels or Star Wars Resistance, and they do look a little bit more cartoony. So I'm interested to see if they take that aspect where you know we have these three and three quarter inch um, humans from the movies, but there's going to be a little difference as far as the stylized look is concerned. Um, Jen, do you have any kind of thoughts on on the, um, the toys to from your, that? Talk to your toy guys. Okay, they're better Ar- use of time than me on this. <laughs> Aaron, I I, ha- I don't know if I've gone to you in a little bit. So, what are your thoughts on um, the, the, the uh, like the like show toys interaction? Uh, like from okay, the show. So for for me, the dinosaurs toys they have to go along with the live action stuff, which I don't think is too impossible because the live action toys don't actually really look live action right they're not super hyper real and the dinosaurs that we at least the feel we got from the camp cretaceous trailer those dinosaurs are a little closer to real than you might expect the real problem is going to be with any human stuff which you know as far as mattel is going it seems like the humans are kind of out anyway (laughs) um so i'm expecting kind of just more honestly i feel like i'm expecting just more of the same like I feel like we might get a bunch of repaints of figures we already have that just have like a Camp Cretaceous badge on it. But how many more how many more badges can they throw on these these figures, right? Like Camp Cretaceous, <laughs> Dino Rivals, Legacy, like they need but, to just yeah. make they need to not do they need to not do um an actual line. I think it just needs to be you know, the Carnotaurus as seen in Camp Cretaceous and just kind of like they just did the Battle of Big Rock, but, you know, like actually have a project to back it up. Um, <laughs> that, that's my thought. Oh, no. like, I did always enjoy that the Star Wars line, like for the animated series, they always fit in with the with the live action stuff scale wise anyway. And even when it was an animated figure, it was kind of like a, a half a half step. So it could kind of work if you wanted to to do that. Sure, it's not like the proportions were like out of control or anything. Right. They they were yeah, exactly. perfectly in line. They just looked a little bit more animated. That's kind of what I expect here. But I will say that when you look at that image from Camp Cretaceous, they do look a little disproportioned. They don't look like your natural human stature. 
I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so. That, and that's why I don't think we're going to get human figures um, for that line. Unfortunately, I think yeah, it I being know. a being a one, it, it's coming to Netflix, which means everything's going to hit in a week. I don't know if I don't know if that justifies creating a specific toy line other than just like a as seen in Netflix's original show or whatever. Yeah, I think sticking with the dinosaurs is your best bet. You can keep them realistic looking. Um, and, uh, you know what, Tom, what do you think? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Tom just got back from cooking some chicken. Um, I just got my chicken goujons, damn it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm skipping over you. I'm skipping you, man. Uh, but yeah, I think, um, I think we answered that one fully here. So let's move on. We get still got some more here. So let's go to Taylor. All right. This is Taylor. Um, I'm Griffin Bird Press on Instagram. What's up? Uh, man, I'm always a little worried you're going to pick up. But then I guess we could talk Jurassic. <laughs> um, this is for this month's mailbag. I don't know if it's too late or not. No. Nope. Um, but it's in regards to the six-inch line or the six-and-a-half-inch line that Mattel's bringing out. And I just wanted to say I'm super excited for that. Um, I've always been more of a six-inch collector with the Black Series and Marvel Legends than I have with any three-and-three-quarter-inch line. So the only, the only size of line that like that that I collect is the Jurassic World line. Um, so I'm super excited to finally have some that will fall more in line with uh, with Legends and the Black Series. And I remember you talking with uh, Aaron on the um, on the wire about how you thought they were kind of expensive, and I kind of agree. But also I was thinking if at GameStop, even Marvel Legends and um, Star Wars Black Series are more they're more like 22 23 at GameStop so I think that's just like kind of um since it's at a GameStop exclusive that um that's the reason it's kind of more expensive than for 25 bucks for people and 30 dollars for sure dinos but anyway I guess if I had a question it would just be are you going to give this line a chance and do you see it having as bright a future as I do because I'm super excited and I can imagine just like waves of it similar to Marvel Legends or something where it's like you get a, a Dennis Nedry and Dilophosaurus wave or you get uh, Robert Muldoon and the baby T-Rex or, you know, a Gallimimus. Uh You can get Pachycephalosaurus, all kinds. I don't know how big they're going to go with the dinosaurs, but it seems like there's plenty of, you know, human-sized dinos for them to uh, to to work with. So I'm super excited. Uh, I don't know if you guys are. So I guess that's my question. So, yeah, um, the six and a half, half inch line, um, I I'll give it a shot, a partial shot. I don't really I don't really care all that much, to be honest. I, I think like if, if they get the characters that I want, I, I will buy them. But I, I'm not really too fussed about getting Owen or even Malcolm, I don't really care. I'll get that that first Raptor, and I don't probably don't even care about Blue. Like I, I I'm going to be very selective when it comes to this. Jen, you are a huge toy collector. Yeah, <laughs> and I have an answer for that. Oh, good. Yes. What are you doing? Are you getting these? I will take a Jurassic World Claire in there any go. <laughs> size. I don't care if it's six and a half. I don't care if it's three feet. I will take any size. So. According to his sizing specific, whatever that was, 
I don't care the size. I will take her in any. Sure. I, I, um, I joked with Victoria from Victoria's Cantina on her, um, Twitter the other day because she put out a poll about like, what, I think it was like, what dinosaur would you like to see in the super colossal size next? And I said like, what, no option for Owen. (laughs) So like, I'm sure that's already like in process. So should we, should we, would you buy the super colossal Claire? (laughs) Again, any size. (laughs) Now, I want to jump over to Jay because I feel like you probably have some some thoughts on this. Um, being a collector of all t- all kinds of products, whether it's high end or low end, uh, what do you think about the six and a half inch? Are, are you going to invest in it? Um, well, the Raptor uh, I uh, most likely get, and there was rumors that there uh, might be a Lost World Tiger Stripe Raptor, which I would definitely get. Um, but Malcolm doesn't look like Malcolm to me. Um, no, I, I think I, uh, I made a joke on, on the Slack, uh, on our chat. Everybody, I, most people might've seen it. It was pretty funny with the, with Malcolm. He just doesn't have Jeff Goldblum's face. He just looks weird to me. <laughs> um, even the smaller figure kind of looks a little bit, uh, different too, but, for like the six inch line, I, I feel they would have gone, I don't know, done a better sculpt on his face, something to improve it. It just didn't look right to me. Um, yeah. Now with Owen, I, I don't think I would get Owen. I've, I'm kind of like tapped out on, on so many Owens, so many different. Really? Why is that? Why do you think that is? <laughs> oh, there's just too many. Like, you know, I actually. I would be interested in having a variation of Claire. We only have just like one, uh, two. I never got the yellow jacket one for yeah, me small Claire. Um, I've never seen her at all anywhere. Like only, you know, on, on Instagram or with other people getting her. I had to get it on Amazon. See, Oh, did was... you pay like 27 bucks though? Um, no, it wasn't that, I don't know. Actually, Josh bought it for my birthday, so I don't know how much it was. Josh spent 27 bucks. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He spent $60 and then she just tore it open. I haven't, I haven't opened it. I really, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know what to do with it because I don't know, but I haven't opened it. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, um, I think, you know, we've, we've spoken a lot about it on uh, other segments and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it, but also apprehensive a little bit. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, thank you, Taylor. Let's move on here to the next one. Uh, this is from Steven. Hi, Brad hey. and Jen. This is Steven at Jurassic Steven at, on Twitter. Uh, previously, it was like, or no, no, hold on. It was like Steven5596. Five, five, it was a bunch of numbers because I didn't <laughs> understand how Twitter works. Not the point. point is... I have listened to every single episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. I'm sorry? started listening in January of this year, and it was a good thing you were on hiatus, because that means I had like four months to listen without you guys uploading, which is great. Um, Yeah, but now I'm finally calling in. I wanted to wait till I listened to everything to call in. I just want to say, love the podcast. You guys are great. And I decided I wanted to ask a non-Jurassic Park-related question to each of you. So... You're both Disney fans. I live in Florida and have the annual Disney Pass, so I kind of go whenever. Um, so my question is, what are your favorite attractions at Disney? Because I know you both like Disney. So, Brad, I'm pretty I sure like yours this. is Haunted Mansion. Oh, I don't remember if Jen said what hers is. Anyway, I'm just wondering. <laughs> um, yep. So I'll keep listening. And 
thank you so much for all the work you do in the Jurassic community. Bye. Steven, that's that's a great question. Ooh. I like that. Jen, you want to go first? Um, yeah, I was going to pick one from every park, but then I thought, crap, there's a couple from the same park. So <laughs> maybe I'll just try doing a top five. I don't know. Well, dinosaurs sure. are always my favorite. Oh, okay. I truly love, this might throw a wrench, but I truly love Festival of the Lion King. That's oh, one wow. of my favorite things. Um, oh, Peter Pan's Flight. Very important, nostalgic thing in my life. Interesting. Um, okay. Haunted Mansion, duh. And this is an odd one, and it's we're kind of off the cuff here, so just kind of thinking. I got to say, ooh, I'm going to go with – oh, this is hard. This is hard to do one more. It's like three that are running in my head. I'm going to do Spaceship Earth. Yes, I, I, I appreciate that. That That is a good pick. Um, That was your five, right? Yeah, that was my five. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, my, my top ride, as Stephen already mentioned it, is the Haunted Mansion. I think that's like the best everything. It's oh, it's so good. Um, I'm going to go with Spaceship Earth, too. I love Spaceship Earth. Um. Oh, I got a, I got an honorable mention, but keep going. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Flight of Passage. Love Flight of Passage. Think it's fantastic. Um, going Dinosaur as well. Love Dinosaur. And uh, where have I not gone? I haven't gone to Hollywood Studios. Um, ah, we'll, we'll go. We'll go Tower of Terror just because I wanted to hit all the parks. Tower of Terror is amazing. It's it's incredible from start to finish. My honorable mention is the People Mover. Oh, that's a good that's a good honorable mention. If I'm going, I'm going to go that and Carousel of Progress. Oh, good one, <laughs> good one. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for uh, switching it up and making us talk about something else for a second. Um, this one here is from Mike. Let's let's take a listen to Mike. Hi, Brad. Uh, my name is Mike Christich. What's up, Mike? I'm a first time caller. Uh, I love the show. I've only been listening to ever since you came back from your hiatus. I listened to some of the older shows, but uh, uh, once I found out that you guys existed, uh, uh, I've been hooked ever since. Um, awesome. I wanted to run a, a few things by you. One, just hearing the news about Camp Cretaceous is amazing. Um, I saw the preview, and uh, I'm hooked. Uh, the graphics look awesome in the show, and I can't wait to watch it on Netflix. Uh Hands down, I'm, I'm like a kid again with that. And uh, the Brachiosaurus that came out, uh, well, that's coming out, the Legacy Collection. Love the artwork on the box. Uh, I'm probably going to buy four of them. <laughs> and that kind of leads me into my, uh, my, my question, is, uh, which I'm sure you've been asked before, is out of all the dinosaurs, uh, or the toys, I should say, I wanted to know uh, what your favorite uh, uh uh, dinosaur was whether it be from the Kenner days or Mattel days or even Hasbro. Oof. Um, I mean, it, it, it's kind of hard to choose. I'd almost choose one from each, uh, from each of the toy makers. And like I, me, the, it has to be for me. It's the the Bull T Rex, the JP twenty nine from uh, uh, the Lost World. I absolutely love that. The fact it was like the first one that you could actually uh, eat a a six inch figure. It it was. You know, that it was the most realistic one for me. And uh, as far as the newer one goes, I think it might be the Brachiosaurus. Um, Bra Brachiosaurus, or uh, I really like the uh, Thrash and Throw T-Rex, despite it being broken up multiple times. But uh, just wanted to say, you know, give my opinions on that and 
yeah, the show's great, and I uh, I look forward to, to the next episode. Thanks. Bye. Awesome, dude. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get through these answers. Camp Cretaceous, we talked about that. Awesome stuff. Can't wait. Brachiosaurus toy box looks wonderful. I can't wait to own one myself. You're gonna get four. I'm sure Aaron is right there with you. But uh, let's talk about uh, our favorite toys. Let's go through this real quick. Just give your single answers here. Uh, mine, I'm gonna go with you know the uh, the Red Rex. That's my favorite one. Um, Jen, do you have one? Yes, I do. It's the Claire Barbiosaurus. The, the what? The- <laughs> That's a thing? It's my thing. It's the only thing I have from any toy line that I have like actually outside. Not outside, but like displayed someplace. Everything else is in a box. Well, apparently we have Steve back. Hey, Steve, are you here? What's what's going on? Do you have a favorite toy? Yes. Yeah, the super <laughs> colossal Rex. Good answer. Good answer. Actually, yeah, love that thing. Tom, do you have one? I am going to go with the Lego Jurassic World Dilophosaurus Ambush set from 2015. All right, all right. Uh, Aaron, what's yours? Uh, Favorite Kenner is the Bull T-Rex and the Cats, and I think my favorite Mattel is the Extreme Chomp and T-Rex. James, do you have any any, uh, favorite toy? Yeah, so um, I I did originally have the uh, the Kenner 1997 Giant Pteranodon, as a child but unfortunately i got rid of it well my family got rid of it so oh no um yeah so i lost that one so that one was my favorite um but yeah from the recent toy line i think the indominus is pretty cool yeah yeah not bad choices um jay what's going on what do you think oh you you guys already know the red rex (laughs) that's why i get all the other toys and all the other figures are dis- have their display set all across the wall, and that's why the Red Rex is right above my desk, across, uh, away from them all. It's it's a you know it's something old and and silly looking, but it's it's a great centerpiece. I love it. Yeah, I love that figure. Um, but yeah, that was uh that was Mike. So thank you, Mike. And uh, now we have one from Cream Olay. Let's uh, let's take a listen. Hey guys, Chris here or Cream Olay online. Just wanted to leave you a message, wishing you guys a happy 200th podcast. Thank you. Yeah, um, really enjoyed listening to the podcast. You know, all the different segments you have on there, the different people that come on. Um, love hearing what, you know, Jen has to say on the mailbag, get her views on things. Woo! So, yeah, just really appreciate all the work that goes into it, so thank you. One other thing I'd be curious to get your guys' opinion on is with all the changes coming to Islands of Adventure in Florida, what if they did like a uh, T-Rex encounter? Kind of similar to the Raptor encounter, but maybe not as personal one-on-one, kind of like now like you have with Blue. Perhaps scheduled times when she comes out. Um be like i'm not exactly sure where they would put this thing but it's fun to think about maybe people would just gather around the edge of uh, like a section of paddock like you just kind of have the fencing there and then jungle behind it trees they could even do something where you hear the the boom of her footsteps as she approaches maybe even have the trees and jungle start to shake as she gets closer and then she appears and 
do it kind of like blue is done in Florida where you just see her head, neck, and maybe her arms. Maybe there's like a few people controlling this thing. She kind of interacts with the people for a little while. Um, have like a handler on our side of the paddock, you know, kind of telling us about her throwing a couple of close calls. I don't know. It seems like it could be kind of fun. So anyways, just curious what you guys think. Again, appreciate the podcast. Happy 200. You guys take it easy. Thank you, Chris. Um, I I absolutely love that idea. And I think uh, it'd be beneficial. You should check out um, some videos online of, I believe it's Universal Studios Japan. Um, I think they do it. Um, they do like this a uh, situation where all these dinosaurs come out, you know, sort of like the ones that we've seen from uh, Hollywood. Um, they actually have like, a, I think a, a Triceratops, maybe a Stegosaurus. Uh, raptors come out, like several of them. And then they also have a giant animatronic of a Spinosaurus that is kind of broken through the fence, but you only see like half the body and it and it, there's like a whole show thing that happens. So I think your idea is stellar. It would be awesome to have that. Um, I feel like things like that would be really beneficial to the land, something that makes it feel more alive. Uh, Jen, what do you think? Do you want to see that in some um, capacity? The first thing that popped in my head was the exhibition, how they yes. directed the exhibition. And that was super cool. And what he was describing, I had the exhibition in my head. And I'm like, okay, that's exactly what it was. So they can recreate that. And that looked really, really good. Yeah, I actually, that was one of the first things that popped into my head, too. I thought um, the exhibition was exactly what he described. You know, there's like, you know, however many people walked in there, 20, 30 people walked in there at a time. And we all watched the thing walk and bump into the truck, roar, and then walk backwards, apparently. There's lightning and yeah. sound. and So that, that would be fantastic. That would be a big experience, which they did have the Triceratops encounter um, years ago, and they bulldozed that. So that's no longer there. But uh, I think um, that would be amazing. And I know, uh, you know, we've been recording for a while now. It's it's uh, just about Tom's bedtime. So, Tom, I want to <laughs> I want to bring you in here because uh, I feel like you have something to say before you head out. Yeah, for sure. So um, obviously this is a really nice special celebration where you've got all of us in to mark 200 episodes I know that I've not been here for 200 episodes. I'm certainly one of the people who's joined in more recent memory for a lot of you guys who have been here for a while. But I just wanted to say that I really, really appreciate everyone who supports this podcast, who is always there commenting on everything we're doing, really bigging everything up and supporting it because it really, really does make a difference. Um, I know we've got a really, really amazing group of fans who follow the podcast and are constantly listening in even every week you know people like veronica who is always phoning in for the mailbag so it's really really group, uh, great to have so many people i'm getting so distracted by you guys laughing <laughs> at me for not being alive for 200 episodes oh, guys, i was in the zone i was um, trying to be yeah. quiet about it but yeah that killer yeah. joke by aj about tom not being not being alive for 200 episodes <laughs> um, yeah i am just really really thankful for everything that this podcast has made possible and I'm also really really thankful for all you guys who I'm talking to right now because you're some of the best friends I've got and I think that without the Jurassic Park podcast none of this would have ever happened so yeah peace out much love um 
enjoy the rest of the episode because it only goes downhill from here. <laughs> oh, come on now. You're not that important, man. Come on. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I love you, dude. I, uh, I'm so glad you've been a part of the show uh, for however long it's been. And you've like taken it to another level. And I'm always like kind of in awe about how much you actually do, because whether it's here or. Uh, you know, collect Jurassic or uh, Jurassic Collectibles or your own channel. You've always got stuff going out, um, content, like literally every day. I don't know how you do it because it's uh, it's a lot of stuff. And and the fact that you're only uh, 14, what, how old? Um, um, and, and you do all this I like... I mean six. Okay, yeah. I couldn't imagine, honestly, I say this like... I. I I was never this like um, mature, I guess, at, at your age. So I appreciate it, man. And and I'm an old man now, but uh, I appreciate you taking some time to uh, hang with us for a little bit. Yeah, no, it's been fun. And you guys enjoy the rest of the episode. Thank you, dude. Thank you. Um, but let's go ahead uh, and move on here to our, our next uh, our, our next call here is from Jeremy. Let's uh, let's check it out. Hello, Brad and Jen. This is Jeremy Wiles. Congratulations on 200 episodes of Jurassic Park podcasting. I have a question for you and your listeners, Brad. Does anyone else who saw the original theatrical release of Jurassic Park in 1993 remember seeing the ending where Rexy crashes through the wall of the visitor center? I saw it twice whenever I was six years old, and you can still hear where it happens on the original soundtrack. If you'd pull up a clip on YouTube real quick of where Rexy breaks in and saves the day, pay attention to the music. I'll give you a second to pause my recording when that happens. What, what am I doing? Oh, he, I'm pausing it. Am I, am I supposed to be bringing audio from music? I don't oh, okay. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> Which audio cue? Um... See, this is a live one. This is a bad <laughs> one to do this on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I usually could like edit it. Um but uh, let's see what is that track called? Does anybody know? Um T um Somebody help me out here. Do you want to do you want to move this to your next mailbag? No. Like give him the like give him the actual like like time it's going to take. Let's see. No, hold on. Uh we'll go with um it's got to be the end end credits or no, T-Rex oh that the T-Rex rescue and finale. Um, let's see. Um, here it is, but, um, up oh, there's an ad from, from youtube.com. But, um, yeah, I don't, I want to see what he's actually saying. So let's keep going here. Okay. And if you listen to the original soundtrack, skip to six minutes and 35 seconds into the t-rex and finale track there we and go if i just listen for you to listen to that well how what time did he say six something hear the difference nope that's where the situation went. <laughs> it's too hard for us it's too hard for the mailbag all right so we're at six minutes here we go oh yeah yeah so i So I don't remember that part right there. Um, yeah, that's not, I don't believe that part's in the movie. Um, but you know. From bad to worse, but because yeah. the humans were the only ones who knew that Rexy's vision was based on movement, she went for the raptors because they froze. 
If any of your listeners are practicing digitizing film, please volunteer some time at Universal and get that sequence digitized <laughs> because I'd love to see it in the deleted scenes someday. And I'm not even you, sure what he's talking about, to be honest. To me, it sounds like he's talking about there must have been some sequence where I mean, because like in the widescreen version, especially you can see like the the hole where Rexy comes through like the the unfinished wall or like the balcony or whatever. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, unfortunately, um, as far as volunteering at time at Universal, I think the the Joker said it best in the Dark Knight. Like if you're good at something, never do it for free. Um, And (laughs) personally, I don't think those assets exist. Um, a lot of movies, like it really, it really, really stinks. But as soon as the movie is over, assets are straight deleted. Um, you know, unless unless a studio wants to archive the work. Um, and now that movies are made amongst a bunch of different studios and visual effects companies, like it, it really is on. It would really be on Universal at the end of every project to want to um, collect those assets and store them on hard drives or servers at their studio. So unfortunately the stuff that people want deleted scene wise from Jurassic park, it just simply does not exist. We will never see anything other than live action humans and dinosaur heads on sticks, because especially in those days, if it wasn't going to be in the final cut, they weren't pre CGing the stuff at all. Um, you know, it, 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 it's not like today where, we, there's a bunch of, of, you know, you go to the Avengers extended cut for Endgame and you get, at least get like a rough outline of what was going to happen. If it wasn't going to make the final cut, they simply didn't start the CG. So that's kind of where I fall on that. Yeah, and I, I'm not really even sure, to be honest, um, about this sequence that he's talking about. Um, I don't think anything was ever created for a T-Rex breaking through anything. Uh, but maybe it was initially in the score and, and John Williams recorded something for that because we know that that sequence was changed um, from Steven's original outline, you know, as far as um, the T-Rex saving the day. So at least that existed at some point in the script. But I don't know about like as far as like digitally like making it into the film. Um, let me see what else he has to say here. Hello, Brad oh, and Jen. Oh, we started from the beginning. From bad to worse. But because the humans were the only ones who knew that Rexy's vision was based on movement, she went for the raptors because they froze. If any of your listeners are practicing digitizing film, please oh, yep. volunteer some time at Universal and get that sequence digitized because I'd love to see it in the deleted scenes someday. And as for you, Jen, how could you? Yeah, you Jen. You didn't do anything wrong. I'm just busting your chops. <laughs> uh, congratulations on your working, by the way. You two have a nice day, and if you want to, you can follow me at, at Wiles Paleo on Twitter. <laughs> oh, that got I'm me. Sure justified for something. Hating that got the lost me. Moral, who knows? <laughs> that got me really good. How could you, Jen? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna have to do some research after this, Jeremy, because uh, I'm not really sure. Maybe I have to go like scour Clayton Fioriti's YouTube channel and see if there's like something missing that I'm just not. Uh, remembering but um james i i know you have to get out of here do you know anything about what he's uh kind of mentioning here or did he actually leave did i lose him <laughs> no he's still there he's just muted hey james you're muted <laughs> yeah me now there I, yes there he is <laughs> yeah. yay <laughs> no i haven't left <laughs> okay um 
yeah, I just wanted to say um, it's just amazing, Brad, that you've managed to achieve 200 episodes. Oh. I just want to thank you and Jen for everything you do for the mailbag. And for everybody at the Dress Apart podcast, it has been such such really great for me to join the the team over the past few months. Unfortunately, I've been really busy um, with university research, but I'm really looking forward to cracking on with some more articles over the coming months and yes. getting more involved with the podcast again. So, but yeah, thank you, Brad, for everything. And everybody keep listening to the podcast because it is fantastic. Thank you, dude. I really, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, it's been awesome having you like write for us on the website while while you're participation hasn't been much on the podcast end um i really appreciate all the extra work that you would do on the website so that's that's awesome that's always what we're looking for is participation across the board wherever anybody can help so thank you so much dude it's been great having you today thank you uh let's go ahead and move on here we have um another one from rowan let's take a listen hey guys it's rowan hey uh i was just wondering what you guys think about a return of Hammond in some way in Jurassic World 3, possibly like a, like a Princess Leia CGI version. I, mean, I don't know if like the family and all that, if it, that would be okay, but I was just thinking a flashback with him and Lockwood and like the moral debate about Maisie could be a really interesting idea. Uh, or, you know, I really just, I'd like to see as many of the returning old characters as possible. Um, Grant and Sadler, or they just somehow, I don't, you know, it's hard to see how you, they would tie in, but it feels like that's possibly being the final movie. Uh, they got to put him in there somehow. And since this is uh, bringing things back from the dead, I thought maybe bringing Hammond back from the dead with CGI could be interesting. Um, also, uh, I was just, I can't seem to get like two quick little scenes out of my head and I wanted to kind of share what they were. Uh, one is, uh, since the dinosaurs happened to break loose in Northern California, it looks like, uh, there could be a bow hunter out in the woods drawing back on his bow on an elk or a deer and we look through his sights and then the T-Rex comes smashing through the trees and snatches it up. Hey, hey wait a uh, second. Did we already hear this one? I feel like we heard I this, Jen. I was going to say, we talked about this unless... It's really deja vu, but I heard this before too. I, I was just like literally thinking, like I feel like I've heard this, so yeah, maybe we have, maybe we already did, did this one. But um, you know, uh, let's just keep listening. And the other one <laughs> I had is just an old man in like a woodsy cabin, sitting in like a dimly lit living room. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah, sitting there reading, and then he feels a thump and goes outside to investigate with a flashlight and sees a brachiosaur just trotting along next to his cabin or any large herbivore that happens to be out there. Um, anyways, I don't know why I keep seeing those quick scenes in my head, but they sound kind of cool. But uh, anyway, yes. guys, let me know what you think uh, about the Hammond idea, and uh, I'll try to call into another mailbag soon. Thanks. All right, so my bad. Um, and if we, I don't know. We might have hit that, that mic one before. Whoops. Um <laughs> I'm just looking at the timestamp on two of those voicemails and they were from June. So, yeah. Um, but uh, I know, uh, you know, a lot of people, maybe we already talked about this, Jen, but um, a lot of people have some pretty interesting thoughts. Um, Aaron, why don't you go ahead and, and tackle um, your thoughts on bringing back John Hammond? Um, I just don't think it's a good idea. Like, I, um, yeah, I think, I think Jay actually has 
a, a really good thought. So I'll let him kind of take that on. I just, I think it's already tough enough making dinosaurs look real. Um, and I, I personally, I don't think they, like, depending on the lighting, I don't think they necessarily always look as real as they even did in the nineties. Um, but I think it's even harder to make humans look real. And for something like John Hammond, I don't, I don't want a CG version of John Hammond taking me out of um, what I deem is a very important character to like, not only the films, but like an important character to like my childhood. So, um, but that's me personally. And I like, I work in CG. I'm usually pretty pro, like, you know, really anything computer generated if it's done well. Um, I just don't think we're quite there yet. Um, sure. I, I and, like, I like that you pointed out, weird, like I have weird, um, feelings about bringing back, uh, dead actors. Um, because sure. I get that I get these franchises like own their likeness and stuff, but like <laughs> Leia like made sense to me, but then what was it? Is his name Tarkin? Yeah. Like, Tarkin felt, I was like, no, this, this seems like you didn't really give him an option to really want to be a part of this. And like, here he is. Like I, I have like actual ethical, I think problems with bringing back, um, dead actors, unless they have signed a contract saying that, that that's a possibility. But isn't that, I'll, isn't I'll, that what Jurassic Park is all about is, uh, dinosaurs didn't, uh, ask to be, you know, well, but, that's what makes Jurassic, <laughs> but that's what makes Jurassic <laughs> exciting, right? Like is, <laughs> is that we've, we've Jurassic is fictional bringing back <laughs> Sir Richard Attenborough for a movie in CG. That's not fictional. That's a real, no, thing. that's real. Yeah. And, but like, at least in Tarkin's case, the, the Tarkin or no, not the Tarkin, uh, the, uh, actor's estate signed off on it. So Peter Cushing's family or whoever runs his estate was okay with him having his likeness in the movie. And, um, I know maybe in some cases the families are like, well, I'd, I'd rather have him, you know, alive in this sense than not at all. And, and never remembered. So I just don't see Hammond coming to life ever in this version. But, um, I like that you pointed out about, uh, Jay has some interesting thoughts on this. And I looked in our chat and he said animatronic Hammond. And then he also said, we can have James Hawkins voice him. So which, which specific thing were you, <laughs> did you well, think he had a good, cause Jay, could you, Jay, are you here? Come tap in with this world. I think what he said about the lost world is, is totally, is totally. Oh valid. yes. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure. His so ending. Let him, let him voice that if he's, if he's still around. <laughs> But why can't Hammond be represented someplace like how he was in the portrait? Well, yeah, no, totally. that's fine. I, that's fine. That's fine way. Yeah. I, I just think what, what Jay was saying, is he around? Is, is Did he go for a minute? No, he's there. He's no, there. No, I'm here. I'm oh. just laughing in the background. And <laughs> I, I was I, laughing too loud. I think what you said in our chat about, I mean, I, do you want to say it? Like, cause I think what you said is actually like really nice. Actually, I, I never thought of that. Steve but. was the one who said his, his last moments in the lost world are perfect. Yeah. Wait, who said that? Steve. <laughs> yeah, Steve. Steve was the one that said that. I, oh. I was just—I was the one making the joke. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'm, this, the chat's going really fast. So, Steve, what uh, are your thoughts then? <laughs> what are your thoughts? Because I think they're perfect. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, my thoughts were that Hammond's final moments in the Lost World is just the perfect end to that character. That whole voiceover as the boat is leaving is just how it is the most perfect ending to a character. And then having just, yeah. you know, the statue in Jurassic World and then the portrait in Fallen Kingdom, that, you know, that's perfect. And if there was something in Jurassic World 3, I would say, 
you know, just something like a portrait or a statue is enough. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I think you're right though. It's, it's that moment in the lost world was, is one of the most iconic and best moments I think in the entire series. So leave it at that and then just have little, you know, trinkets here or there that kind of showcase him. I, I think is the best option. Yeah. yeah it's perfect. Think, like, if we get a nod to Hammond in the next film, I almost, because we know that Maisie at one point, uh, Maisie 1.0 or Maisie original was on Nublar at the time of, hammond and her grandfather's or her father's like relationship it would be nice to maybe see like the i mean did did hammond always wear white linen or like was that his thing or do you think that's what he was wearing on that day i don't know but it would maybe be nice to see like a close-up of the cane and maybe he like opens the door for Maisie, and we don't like necessarily see his face like that can be really cheesy like i think like shazam did it really poorly with superman but i think it could actually be really kind of beautiful if we get like a flashback to Nublar where we maybe get like something that tells us that it is Hammond interacting with Maisie's like in a flashback or interacting sure. with someone in a flashback, but like maybe not showing or hearing uh, Sir Richard Attenborough, like exactly. That's and great. I think that's great. I think, I think James would, would one would be like, you know, through the roof. He would, he would want to come back here and do this voice for John Hammond. And I think that's actually probably the best way is if you like have him like shot from the back. So you see his back and then you hear his voice. Um, but John Hammond only has two outfits. He either wears strict, strictly white or PJs. Those, those are the only two outfits he owns. You look in his closet. That's it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm sorry, everybody for apparently repeating that question, but um, I always think it's interesting to at least get a take on John Hammond. So thank you, Rowan, for multiple months of uh, coverage here. So let's move on. We have our final one from another contributor here. Arjun Boss was not able to make it today. So let's hear what he has to say. Hello to everyone. Arjun here. Uh, hey. I just called in to say congratulations, Brett, on making it to this to this great milestone of the 200th episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. Thank you for having me as a contributor and being a part of it. Since I couldn't be here today to join you, uh, I wanted to wish you a lot of fun and I'll look forward to listening to you guys. Okay, bye. There we go. That's Ooh, it. That was painless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Easy question to end on. Easy one. Yes, that that was fantastic. And I, uh, I don't know, like, the mailbag is just so, so much fun to me. I love like, recording this each and every month. It's just full of like, the best people out there reaching out and and having some serious comments and, and questions and, and concerns. And it's, it's, man, it's so much fun. Jen, I'm sure you, I hope you love doing this as well each and every month. I really do. I remember how this came about. I remember how we were just trying to figure out segments. And then once in a while, people started giving you so many comments and you just kept getting more popular and people were sending <laughs> you questions. And you were like, you know what? Maybe we should just start answering questions. And then it just turned into only questions. And now it turns into three hours of just questions. And I love every minute of all of it. And I, when you were on your hiatus, I missed the mailbag. I know you probably needed that time off for sure. And I think I was bugging you a little bit like, oh, when are we coming? back this month just wondering like because i was missing it i because i get you're my friend and you guys are my friends and i miss talking to my friends most of all so whenever it came back i was really excited and i i mean i can't wait for next month and the month after that i really love doing this yeah 
that is that is the best thing. It, you know, it gives us some time to to chat and to catch up each and every month, and I I just love it. And hearing from all these people is so so much fun. And uh, some of these people have like way better thoughts and concerns than I could ever think of. So it makes us like keep our brains alive as far as Jurassic concerned and and think about all these new topics and ideas and things that I would never come up with. So thank you so much to everybody out there. Um, Two hundred episodes and. Maybe 200 more mailbags is in the in the in the cards here. I don't know, but uh, I don't I don't know. I that's that's a lot. So yeah, let's uh let's head out here and uh, say goodbye. So thank you, thank you, Jen. Thank you guys so much for listening to the 200th episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. Man, we're in the outro. This is it. It happened. And um, Jen, I, I got to thank you, like I just said, for joining me each and every month here in the mailbag. And also for everybody else that joined me here today in this epic, crazy, like I, I can't believe it's kind of worked out here for the most part, aside from some little minor details. But Man, this was fun. And uh, yeah, there, I know a lot of you have um, moved on from the, from the voice chat, but uh, we still have Aaron here. We have Jay, Jen, and Steve. So thank you guys uh, so much for joining me today. It's It's been awesome. You hit record, right? Oh, no. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> That's three hours. We'll never get back in that case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know what? I'm not even going to apologize. I know a lot of people leave reviews and tell us, hey, you always talk about how the episodes are too long. Well, you guys, you guys earned it today. A three hour episode. Man, it's it's been one heck of a ride. And uh, 200 episodes is awesome. So thank you guys for joining me. Thank you to everybody else that was here. Uh, who else was here today? Tal was here. Uh, James, Tom. Uh, do, do we miss anybody else? I think that's... Uh, I think that's it. Um, but yeah. And, and to all the callers out there, like I said, everybody who called in, you guys are, are very awesome. And I don't think this show would be possible without everybody. And so many people bring up community and how awesome it is. So yeah, so thank you. It, it means a lot. 200 episodes is fun. And uh, man, it got here quick. It really did. So thank you guys for joining me. Um, and we'll do it again for episode number 300. Yes. All right. Yes. Awesome. Well, just in case you want to be a part of the next Jurassic Mailbag, you can call our voicemail line at 732-825-7763. Um, and while, while I'm here, I, uh, I went to, um, where did I go the other day? I went somewhere. And uh, I, the person asked for my phone number. And I said, 732-825. And I'm like, nope, that's not it. That's not my phone number. That's my podcast phone number. So please call that number if you want to be a part of the Jurassic Mailbag. Not if, like, you're a doctor or whoever I was telling it to to follow up with me. Um, but uh, email us your audio files or questions to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com, or you could head to our contact page at JurassicParkPodcast.com to fill out our contact form. Now, as always, each and every week, I try to go through uh, a review or, or several here. And um, 
you guys, you guys come through. You guys come through over on Apple Podcasts. You leave us reviews, five star reviews, and you always write some some funny things or some good things in there. And I like reading them. This is like something new from since the hiatus, kind of coming back here and uh, going over these these uh, reviews. So this one comes from Decaf. Uh, apparently on. <laughs> On uh, Apple Podcasts. And this is a pretty new one, actually, from, from July. And the title is Best Jurassic Podcast Out There. Wow. Um, and it also says, I have to say, this is probably the best Jurassic Podcast out there. <laughs> I've been listening for, man, I don't even know. Probably from the beginning or close to it. Keep up the good work, guys. You all do a, an amazing job. Wow. Best Jurassic Podcast out there. You know, I uh, I very much appreciate it. Um, I'm not much into like trying to compare podcasts and who's doing what, but um, I appreciate all the kind words. I think everybody's got some great podcasts out there, so um, it's awesome to hear from everybody. But um, yeah, I think I think you all are awesome for leaving these reviews. It really, really means a lot to hear you say like I've done an amazing job or the team has done an amazing job, and to hear people. I know I cringe about it each time somebody says that they've been listening from the beginning. But uh, it, it does. It feels good deep down inside that people are actually taking some time. And I always find it interesting. Somebody recently reached out and said, I did it. I finished from the beginning and I listened to over 200 hours of your voice. And I'm like, why? Why would you do that? But I do appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. So, yeah, that that's it. That's the we're going to highlight only that one review here today. And as always, I like to kind of round out the episode by saying, I want everybody out there to take a second to think about what you want to do, what you want to hear, and start it. Do it. Because the only reason I'm here talking right now, rambling with you guys, is the fact that I started this podcast and I had, we had like, what, there was like nine or ten people in here today, all because of, I decided to hit record and uh, start this community and start this podcast and give like the Jurassic fans an outlet to something that they'd hopefully want to hear. And I think it's done pretty well. So um, that's my advice for you guys today is just to do that one thing. I know sometimes it's hard to get started and to take a second to, you know, hit record or to write that thing down or do whatever you want or to have the courage to reach out with an email or something like that, but do it, start it. And I don't think you'll regret it. Um, Of course, there's some struggles and stuff along the way. This isn't easy. You know, 200 episodes is certainly not easy. I've, I've gotten four hours of sleep most Sunday nights, but um, it's been well worth it. I think it's been it's been an awesome ride, and I don't think you'll regret hitting the the record button or doing that thing and actually starting it. So, yeah, thank you guys, and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and just read the outro myself. I don't have any snazzy music for you or anything, so we're gonna stick with this Fallen Kingdom tune. So please find us on Twitter at Jurassic Park Pod, myself at Brad Jost. Also on Facebook and Instagram at Jurassic Park Podcast. And uh, for everybody that was here today, I'm sorry I didn't let you read off your um, your handles or wherever we can find you. Please, everybody, take a second to go to our show notes and uh, find out where everybody is. And, of course, visit our team page over on our website to see everybody's links, everybody's uh, content that they've created, everything they've been a part of over on our website. So, of course, you can... Um, 
join the Facebook group. We have a Facebook group um, over, uh, well, on Facebook, yeah. The Jurassic Park Podcast Facebook group. Just search for it. Hit those two uh, questions. Make sure to answer those so we can accept you into the group. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So please be sure to subscribe. Also, don't miss our toy hunts and reviews, our in-depth bonus content, live streams, gameplay, event, and theme park coverage, and so much more over on our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, please go ahead and leave us that five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, and uh, we will go ahead and read you know, whatever review you leave, whether it's funny or, or serious. I'll go ahead and read that at the end of every episode, so please be sure to spare no expense. Don't miss us on the web at JurassicParkPodcast.com, where you'll find today's episode show notes, wonderful articles, bios from our contributors, and so much more. If you want to, you can get a hold of us over on our contact form, like I said before, on our website, or email us at JurassicParkPodcast.com. That didn't make any sense. At JurassicParkPod at (laughs) gmail.com. And uh, this is the this is what you get when I try to do things live. Is uh, I've actually done it pretty well without messing up. So that's uh, that's one for you right there. But uh, we're always looking for new segments, contributors, mailbag submissions, or anybody who just wants to say hello. So feel free to call our voicemail line at any time to leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thank you guys so much for listening to the 200th episode of of the podcast and enjoy. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.